become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Welcome to the show. I am the Jstrom, and this is Entertainment Landfill. Let's see. This is, um, Bill, I have no idea what episode. Oh, this is ETL Daily episode 23. I am your host, as I just said. I'm repeating myself for no reason whatsoever, and I'm not doing the show alone. I also have Mulberry Bill, the Mulberry Historian. Greetings and salutations. It's good to be back. Hello, Bill. Hello. And um, Stephen is not here. Uh, he can't do the show. I don't know what's wrong. Something happened to him. So we're going to send out an APB and hopefully he will be okay. I wonder where he's at. Uh, I think it, it's uh, his uh, Stephen's birthday. Stephen's oh, is it bro- Stephen's birthday? No. It's Stephen's brother's birthday. Oh, I was going to say, I would have I known that by Facebook. I'll fix this, Stephen. I can fix it. I can make it cool again. Yeah, Stephen's probably in Crowley. Everything was going so well. Where's, Why are you doing this, Stephen? Where's Crowley? Is, is it anywhere <laughs> near Alistair Crowley? Crowley is in Fort Worth, and it's. Uh, I always make fun of Stephen, or I did back in the day that, you know, it's a podunk little area without curbs on the streets, but it's really not like that. But Without uh, curves? Curves? They don't have, they don't have the... the the lady workout place? No, curbs. Oh. And I would joke that they just got Coke machines. It didn't <laughs> even make sense. I just well, uh, they just got diet uh, or Dr. Pepper machines or something. Yeah. It's way back when I uh worked with Steven at the frame shop, I would I guess that was my humor back then, like you're a damn <laughs> hillbilly, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I shouldn't bring this up without Steven here to defend himself, but he got really dark on me. Oh yeah. Uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, baby and having a dog. And he just kind of said, if I had a dog, it wouldn't be allowed in bed with me. It wouldn't be allowed on any furniture. And I go, well, how would you keep it from doing that? And he goes, I would. I would train it. It would know to be obedient. And I was just like, dude. Wow. It sounded kind of scary. Like he's like this controlling, abusive person. You I know? could see him holding his uh, his Sig Sauer pistol as he said that. Yeah, can you imagine having a dog that's not allowed on furniture? It's not allowed to even jump on the bed with you in there. It, it wasn't sleeps. allowed in the bed. I'd shoot it. <laughs> it would have its own bed, and it would sleep in it, and it wouldn't break the rules. I was just like, God, he's scaring me. I I got to change the subject quick. But how it's creepy just- is that? He's always felt like a bit of a control freak, so oh, maybe it's like if he has his own dog, he won't, like, I don't know, it's, I could understand that. I Steven could believe it. Steven is my name. <laughs> Steven's a dark, a, dark, a dark person at heart. 
creepy. And I bet you his his dog would be skinny. It's funny. uh, Since Steven isn't here, I'll make fun of him even more. Because he... uh, um, I, I have this whole comedic bit I do with Heather where I pretend to be Steven with his phone. Steven was actually... Uh, he kind of went on this little rant about how in airports, it's ridiculous how everyone's on their cell phone. No one even is paying attention to their environment. Everybody's just, you know, tapping away on their cell phone in their own little worlds. And I'm like, well, what do you do when you're in airport? Yeah. Why would, why would anybody actually want to pay attention to what's going on in an airport? Yeah. And he, he literally says this bill. He says, Oh, I'm on my iPad. And I was like, um, Because it has a bigger screen? (laughs) I was like, how is that different? But it's funny because I'll say, you know, something like, uh, damn it, my Twitter isn't updating. He goes, I don't use Twitter on my phone. He's such an elitist. And I'm like, no, why why not? And he goes, just waste your battery. And I'll be, you know, do you have Facebook on your phone? No, I don't use any apps like that on my phone. And and so I do (laughs) this thing with Heather where I'm like... uh, she was like, my call's not going through. And I go, what, you use your phone to actually make phone calls? <laughs> I don't do that. I don't, you know, she was like, what do you do on your phone? Well, well, I don't text. I don't use, I don't use it for the phone. I don't use Twitter or Facebook or any apps. I basically set it on a stack of papers on my desk to hold them. <laughs> I look at it. It's paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> if it rings, I just go, ooh, pretty. <laughs> Screen lights up and everything. So Steven is our eccentric friend, and I love him. He doesn't use apps on his phone because it takes the battery? He No, he, you know, in reality, he has... Does he have a smartphone? Yes, yes, he does have a, a smartphone, but he will tell me all the time, he turns off data no matter where he is because it just wastes battery. So there's no point having 4G anywhere, you know, because it wastes battery. And I'm just like, you know your phone is for that, right? God, I wish he was here so that I could ask him if he turns off location services, too, because he doesn't need, pe- doesn't need people tracking him. Probably. Like, I don't want to know where my phone, if my phone knows where I am. I want to just, I already know the answer. And why have am you, I talking like he's got a southern accent? Like, have you ever made a purchase on your phone? Like, hell no. No. They track that shit or something. But that goes back way, uh, the early days of the show. I don't even know if it was that early. It was years ago, maybe like eight years ago or something. He where, also only uses cash. I was I was kind of suggesting to Stephen because he travels everywhere to start like a uh, Twitter account where he's putting up pictures. He could do an Instagram, you know, pictures of the places he visits or something. It would just be absolutely. Cool. It's a travel log. And he was like, no, 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 because I don't want people to know I'm not home and then they'll rob me. And I was like, huh? What, are they going to do to, like, the clerk of court's search to know, like, where his house is located in a certain county and then rob him? Well, it's not even that. I was like, well, how would they know nobody's at your house? He goes, well, my brother used to live next to me. He doesn't anymore. And I'm like, they wouldn't have known that if you hadn't have just said that, you know? <laughs> but I just think it's funny. But his brother lives with him now, so he's safe all the time, I guess. But Oh, well, now's the time to start the travelogue. <laughs> But it's so funny that just that whole thing with the dogs, like my dog wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. It wouldn't jump on you or beg. So what? 
freakish. That's why you don't have a dog. (laughs) And he wouldn't use Instagram because the Instagram photos tell people where he is and it also tags where he he is and it it drains battery. It would be so awesome to see like every week photos of all the places he goes. Don't you think? Absolutely. I've, can, I've, I've always been jealous of all the places he goes. All the cool places he gets to eat at and fancy restaurants or whatever all the, he could. All the planes he gets to ride in. <laughs> yeah. Do a check-in on all those. But I think that would be fun. You know what would be funny is if, like, if I did as much traveling as he did and I had to stay in as many hotels as he does, I would, like, rate the hotels or rate, like, the bathrooms in the hotel rooms or, oh, yeah, like, just totally. turn it into something fun. Yeah, totally, yeah. I just, but you know what? Steven's just a serious dude, you know? That's why we love him. He might be beaten down. Well, he's, I, you know, I'm just, he's a little bit older than me. Maybe he hasn't gotten in touch with the whole, like, kind of technology that's at our fingertips. You know what I mean? The (laughs) Kids and your gee whizzy McJigs. Well, the fact that he could tag whatever restaurant he's in and put like a picture of his food or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. some people don't want to do stuff like that. It's kind of cheesy. But, you know, when you go sightseeing when you're in New York, take some pictures and post it on your Twitter or your Instagram or something. Absolutely. When I, I mean, you know, I just went to New York for the first time. Uh, a couple months ago, and it was just, it was awesome. I, like, couldn't stop taking pictures. I mean, I granted I didn't post them all on Instagram or Facebook, but it was still like, wow, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe it's, he's so tired, like, he works, and then he just wants to go to the hotel and then not bother, but there's yeah. a lot of cool stuff he could be doing. I think we need to stage an intervention, really. Definitely. I'm going to say, hand me your phone. I want to Steven, see you're here. too damn boring. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bill, did you know that NBC has greenlit a Taken prequel series? I saw something about that. Uh, of course, it's on every website, you know. Oh, is it? In case the name of the property didn't make it clear, the entire point of the Taken franchise is family members being taken and skills used to get them back. But now NBC thinks you want to see just how Brian Mills acquired his CIA talents and possibly, but not probably, how he also acquired the American accent that sounds badly concealed Irish. I'm sorry, but the only way to do this right is to have it be Taken meets Murder, She Wrote. Like, everywhere he goes, coincidentally encounters somebody being taken. And every other week, there's some new family member we don't know about before. Surprise, they get taken. And he goes and kills half of Europe, which replenishes the following the, week. Yeah, by the <laughs> end of the series, I think all of Europe would be dead. This is like, on no- this is on the robot's voice, which used to be Topless Robot. They changed the name. Oh yeah, didn't the guy that that ran or started Topless Robot end up going to IO Nine? Did he? Because I wondered why they changed to the robot's voice. Because I don't think that's catchy sounding at all. No, wait, the robot's voice. Wow, that's a really awful name. Oh, and that font is terrible. Yeah, it does not look good. Oh, mm, robotsvoice.com. Yeah, yeah, it really looks awful. I hope he got paid for selling it. <laughs> because this if I was him, I would be just tortured right now looking at this. I th- uh, that's funny. A take in, it depends on who they get to play the Neeson role. But, I mean, yeah, you can do it. I think of- it should be the guy that was RoboCop. 
Joel, is it Joel something? Oh, yeah, Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman, yeah. I think he would be perfect. Yeah, I don't not? even know why I thought that, but I think he would be good as a, a Neeson type. No, no, yeah, he would be good. I like that. Um, oh, my God, the, the, the Photoshop picture they have of him as Qui-Gon is just... I don't know <laughs> well, what to think well, about this. Speaking of Qui-Gon, I finally finished The Clone Wars. Yes! I... I couldn't believe it when it was the last episode. I was like, that's that's it. It's over. And you know how the last few episodes is all Yoda. Yoda, stuff. yeah. And when they play that Yoda theme, you know, the... I swear I got teary-eyed every time. Dude, the, I was totally just... I was totally geeking out during the entire last few episodes with just Yoda and the way... It basically salvages the entire prequels in those like two or three episodes. I can't remember how many it was, but there's not one mention of midichlorians, and uh, it there just kind of no. There actually is a mention of midichlorians, and I thought oh, that was interesting. But yeah, I think that's what it was. It's a mention of midichlorians, but it's in a in a more positive way. Like it's not it's not like a a really piss poor. Right. It actually made sense what they were saying. I don't remember what yeah. they said about Minicorians, but it was basically um, those, those kind of weird creatures he visited that each had a different expression on their face. Yes. Uh, they mentioned something about the balance of Minicorians or something, and I can't remember what it was. But it was interesting how uh, Yoda had to go through a series of tests. Yeah. And he had to face the darkness that was in him because he had to actually admit, yes, there is darkness within me. And he had to battle the darkness. And I love when... He had to figure out. He had to be... He basically had to be humiliated into realizing the, the errors of the uh, the Jedi Council and that they were pretty much entirely at fault at what went down. Yeah, he was basically... He had to be humbled. Yeah, and it's almost at the end he realizes he has to accept that it's the battle's lost for now, and possibly there will be a new hope eventually. And mm -hmm. it was like, oh wow, he's talking about Luke. I mean, they're screwed now; they totally lost sight of what's going on, you know. But how I depressing is that entire season? Like oh, just th that episode with the clones, I was like, I was all choked up. There was and that one series of episodes where the clone discovers that they all have a chip in their head that where they can't have, they don't have, um, it hinders their ability to control themselves at a certain Yeah. Point. They don't have free will and they don't, he doesn't realize it's order 66 and you almost think that his storyline, he's going to discover the true nature of it. But he ends up being uh, taken to the Emperor, and when the doors are shut, the Emperor, I'm assuming he does some kind of Jedi, not Jedi, he does some kind of force mind thing that makes him kind of lash out, and he doesn't mm -hmm. understand uh, what's happening to him. And uh, he's basically being irrational, you know? And he never gets to solve the mystery of why no. he had this thing in his head. It's really tragic. Yeah, it's very dark. It's uh, I was I was incredibly impressed with that entire final season, and uh, I really do need to uh, find Dark Disciple and download the audio version of it, just so I can 
put you know the cherry on top of that final season. I love so much that on the new season of uh, Rebels, they're going to have some uh, some uh, clone troopers that survived. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're like a ragtag ragtag group, I guess. And I, I think what is it? I can't Rex? remember the name of the ones that uh, got out. Yeah, I think Rex is one of them because Rex. He's, He's there when the, I can't remember the clone trooper that died. He was trying to tell them of the conspiracy, you know, uh, but uh, Rex, I believe, was standing there with him. So he knew something was up, but he didn't know or understand what had just happened to his friend. You know, mm-hmm. he held him in his arms while he died, basically. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. I can't wait to see Rebels. Because I, I got to say the Clone Wars was solid, man. That was very entertaining stuff. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to catching up on uh, Rebels, um, and uh, oh, you know like, I never finished the book, uh, the New Dawn, and I, I really I really need to. But I think I was waiting to to uh, uh, catch up here. When is the second season already started? Uh, no, it does oh, okay. in October. Star Wars Aftermath that book came out. And I have the audio book, but I haven't started listening to it yet. Uh, had you Have you listened to any of it yet or read I, any of I it? I think I've listened to about the first hour of it. Oh, okay. Uh, while I, and I was, I was really kind of impressed the way it, uh, it started, how it, uh, you know, it ends, it picks up right as like, I guess you would call it the special editions ended with the celebration on uh, Coruscant. And them pulling down the uh, uh, Palpatine statue, and then yeah, and then the Imperial police move in. Oh yeah, I actually read that part in the sample a few months back. Yeah, and it kind of uh, it brings it all together. And I think uh, the the main Imperial baddie is a woman in this one. So, because at first I was thinking like, oh, is it is it Captain Phasma that they're kind of teasing? But I didn't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's so far I've been impressed with it and I have a, it's, it's exciting to listen to a new timeline. Like I've, I've finally been able to accept that, you know, the expanded universe is a different timeline entirely. I can accept that and to hear the way it, because I always thought that the ending of return of the Jedi, at least the special editions, was a little uh, too on the nose. Like, oh, you know, it's over. All these planets are celebrating. You know, all of a sudden it's over. And it's like, well, no, there's still plenty of Imperials left. Well, it's kind of like the the first, you know, A New Hope. When Luke blows up the uh, Death Star, it's like, woohoo! And, you know, they get medals and everything. And it's not until, you know, Empire Strikes Back, when you're a kid, you know, when you first see the movie, you're like, oh, man, they didn't win shit yet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, to to have it pick up directly and it's it's a really kind of it's a dark opening because it it kind of concentrates on a I think a father and son that are caught in the middle of this uh, this melee where the Imperial police just come in and start picking people off left and right. You know, any anybody that's left behind, anybody that's caught, you know, being a, a reveler in the 
and the the chaos after the defeat. And uh, it, I, I like that it starts off very dark, uh, yeah. and you don't you don't quite know what's going on. And the other thing that I loved is that one of the first characters that is introduced that any of us are familiar with is Wedge Antilles. Yeah, that's so cool. And I was like, "Oh, Wedge!" Like that, like somebody, somebody in that 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 new book or you know the Disney system was like, "Well, let's bring Wedge Antilles." And Wedge Antilles is a beloved character in the expanded universe. So, I mean, I I actually adored the Rogue Squad, Rogue Squadron, and Wraith Squadron books. Yeah. Uh, so, I I loved that Wedge Antilles was now part of the crew, and he was flying around to the different systems that still had imperial control is kind of a uh uh i guess a spy and he's caught up in a little imperial entanglement and uh you don't know if he gets away or not but that's pretty much where i ended it is it it sounds like he's gotten away but he escaped actually onto a star destroyer that was trying to pull him in oh nice so it's that's that's as far as i got in the book so now kind of you know enemy at the gates kind of a thing <laughs> so i'm i'm looking forward to finishing it I, i've i've this week i the past two weeks have been really stressful for me because i had uh, my first set of exams of this 16 week semester uh this week so it was monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday the only day i didn't have an exam was thursday so uh i was like i was for like two, three weeks, I was just totally stressing out. Couldn't enjoy anything. Mad Max came out. I was playing like an hour at a time. And uh, whenever I was baking cookies for this thing that we had going on this week uh, for the school, I was listening to Aftermath. So now that that's all settled down, I can kind of settle into a rhythm and be able to actually enjoy things again, at least for a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to rejoining the world and getting back into aftermath because i'm very i'm very excited about this new star wars world me too and you know i read some reviews honestly some of the reviews that have been negative seem like they can't get over the fact that the old canon is gone or they're you know the old eu and they're really holding a grudge yeah and that's driving me crazy because to be a true fan you have to be able to accept like an an evolution you know right. it's not always going to be the same it it's you've got to go through it look at how many times like star trek has had different storylines and different uh in the books even i don't think there's a a consistent book series for star trek that follows the same timeline right like at least the at least Star Trek fans are a little bit more uh, uh, evolved <laughs> to go along with it and appreciate stories as opposed to I just can't get over how the 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 vitriol that comes out even on Goodreads we were looking for reviews for Aftermath like a week before it came out and it was just reviews of people complaining that they've abandoned the expanded universe and quite frankly the expanded universe was getting pretty freaking stale. Well, it had been like, around a long time, it, right? Well, it had been around a long time, but also I remember the last series of EU books that I read. I think it was, I want to say it was the Fate of the Jedi books. And they were going up against a, a hidden uh, darkness, which ended up being this Abeloth. And it was so ponderous that every book, the Jedi 
would get this sickness where they thought other Jedi were imposters. And it was this Abeloth, this dark force influencing the Jedi to basically go rogue, go crazy. And it was every book. And there was like, I can't even remember how many books there were, but you would start reading it and be like, oh, okay, so maybe they're going to, you know, move on. Nope. You get slammed with this boring storyline. And the only thing that saved it was the Clone Wars for me. Mm-hmm. Because there was that episode where they went to that that monolith, that planet inside the the cage. Right. And that Abeloth ended up being related. She was like the nanny to lightness and darkness. Uh, or, you know, good and whatever it was. I can't even remember. But she's the one that kind of, she ends up getting into it and becoming like this entirely different entity. Like she drinks from this pool of knowledge or whatever and uh, becomes this force sensitive creature. But she's, she's corrupted by this. So it's kind of like Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge. And she ends up becoming this overwhelming, you know, influencing force of evil uh, and then they have to go up against it, and Luke and his son Ben are outcast, so they're like wandering around looking for this ancient evil, and it just got to the point where it was so ponderous that I was fighting to get through it. <laughs> yeah, and I just I I'm surprised I ended up finishing the books just because it was at that point where it was like I was invested, I had to just finish it to see how they pull themselves out of this downward spiral. So when I heard that they re- they were renewing it, they were going into a whole new timeline. It was like, wow, this is exciting. And I don't I don't understand why people couldn't appreciate that. I still don't right. understand it. Like it just it makes zero sense to me. Well, yeah, I it's if they have the attitude of but I really like these books and the fact that they don't exist anymore just you know, I really they ruined it and you have to accept the fact that no, they do still exist. Yeah. They're sitting right there on your Kindle or on your bookshelf. They'll always be there. Yeah, you can read them anytime you want, but they're not canon anymore. And honestly, doesn't really matter because before we thought Return of the Jedi was the end of any future Star Wars story. I mean, did yeah. you have any inkling in your mind that there would be anything else? I didn't. No. I didn't know what George would do. Maybe he would do some kind of other Star Wars tale or something, but I figured it was the end of Luke Yeah, and Leia then we got Han. the prequels. Yeah. So let's 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 just ruminate on that for a little bit. That <laughs> what we end up getting are the prequels. Was there any hanging storylines that uh in the expanded universe that just got canceled out where people won't know the end of them or was did anyone even care about that? You know what? I don't think there really were. Whenever they do these book series, they or series, they plan them. You know, so they kind of have like a bible that they refer to and they make sure they close, you know, these series out. I don't right. think there was anything canceled midway through. I really liked in that final season of the Clone Wars how they wanted to know the mystery behind what happened to Sifo-Dyas. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's true. I I like that they started getting into that and exploring the 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 more the old republic in a way that um the games and whatnot haven't been able to do. 
they like I thought the, whenever we started playing the the MMO that we would get into those storylines that it would somehow expand on that stuff kind of like those uh, what were those games were those the Old Republic games or the um, there were two of them Knights of the Old Republic right and I thought you know maybe it would expand on the story a bit but none of them ever really did. So, yeah, no, I love that they were getting into it. And I think the Sifo-Dia stuff is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. You realize that he totally, basically he went there with um, Count Dooku. And, you know, Count Dooku's really Darth Tyrannus and he murdered him. And he ordered a bunch of clones in his name. Basically, through the whole Clone Wars, you see that no matter what they do... Palpatine had everything rigged. The whole game was rigged. Oh, yeah. I mean, he even rigged it to the point where he had the Jedi in his pocket. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Yoda even realizes, like, holy shit, we've been influenced this entire time. Yeah, they... Not only that, he also has it where all of the money goes to him, too. Yeah. There was a, a, a banking clan episode with Padme and it's probably the least interesting of the the final season but it still was interesting to see how uh Palpatine had rigged it where he basically yep. gets all the money. Yeah, I mean it 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 fleshes out the story even though it's a filler episode it still fills in a lot of the mystery of what we didn't get in any of those prequel films. And I'm I just has there ever been a book about Palpatine and how he planned everything? <laughs> No, I don't believe so, but I know there was a book about uh, his uh, master. Um, the hell was his name? And I have it, too. I've just never read it. Darth Plagueis the Wise? Yes. <laughs> Darth Plagueis the Wise. He could influence death. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I no. no, I did not. Is that available on book where I may read that or audiobook? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> Let me explain it to you while we watch this Final Fantasy VII kind of ball water thing. <laughs> you know what, Bill? I want to say hi to people in chat, but I can't log in. I don't. Oh, it yeah? says logging in, please wait, and nothing will ever happen. Uh, Let me look at the chat roll chat roll i think that's what i use oh okay should i log in through chat roll instead oh uh, maybe we can do oh it says sign in I, I thought there was like uh you could just type in without any information yeah you should be able to i don't know i did something to my browser where i bought cookies and stuff or oh you bought cookies i uh, blocked them i think i oh. screwed the pooch on that uh, Third-party oh, wow. cookies. I just loaded it up, and now it's echoing in my head. Okay, I have to close that. <laughs> just say hi to everybody, because I can't. <laughs> All right. Oh, you know what? Maybe I could open it in Firefox. Let me do that. There's an... Uh, yeah, Firefox. Good old Firefox. Yeah. Let's see. The thing will... I haven't logged into the chat in so long that uh, I don't even remember what my password is. All right, let me see. Facebook. I'm going to log in through the Facebook. There we go. Yay. Hi. Hi, guys. Okay, here I am. I'm now on Firefox. 
Okay, Are you using your mind to fly the stealth fighter? You know what's funny is I wanted to ask Ken about something, and he's in the uh, audience, in our live studio audience. Uh, Ken, you, I'll have to wait for you to reply to me, but was Ken a, a fan? Wasn't he a fan of uh, The League on FX? Because I just read all that stuff about the guy on the show in the news about how he lied about being in uh, 9-11. Did you see that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I did see that. And I've, of all the things to lie to people about, why would you ever lie that you were in 9-11? Yeah, Steve Ranazissi from The League. Uh, basically, years ago, he kind of... Uh, I don't, you know, I didn't read the whole story. I just did the a quick uh, flyby on the story, <laughs> where basically he said that he worked at Merrill Lynch in the World Trade Center, and he got out of there after the first plane hit the other building, and he basically could have died. And it's like, wow, then you know, he he had to make something out of his life, and he finally went out and went into comedy, and it's uh, like a a great story. But then recently he came out and said it's been haunting him, this lie. And he finally came out and said, okay, I made that whole story up. It's not true. But I just think it's so strange, isn't it? I wonder if he has bipolar disorder. Because that's one of the, you kind of, you kind of go along, you concoct these these lies that you don't think really have any bearing or that have any weight to them like they would affect anybody or they would mean anything you just kind of create this your own storyline in your head and um yeah i just you know because i i went through that before i was diagnosed with it so i kind of i can i feel for him and that he came out and said that it was a lie but that's just one of those things that it, it seems like there's there's some sort of mental illness thing going on there, maybe. Yeah, I can see how he based. It was on the Mark Marin podcast in 2009 when he said this, and I guess he just he wanted to come clean. He just it, it was haunting him, and of course, you know, some people are really mad about it. You know, like, hey, I really know somebody who died, or you're disgusting. How dare you and stuff, and you know. I don't I don't know what he got out of the lie at the time. Maybe he just wanted to tell an interesting story or maybe he couldn't help himself. I don't know. Yeah. But uh I don't think the guy should die or anything because of it. I think he's he probably beat himself up more about this than anyone could, you know. Exactly. He just basically made himself look like a jackass and he has to live with that, you know. Yeah, I don't think it I you know, I just saw a story cuz I searched it and then it says uh, Comedy Central rethinking league, like uh, TV ads pulled amid scandal about lies. I mean, it's it's getting, yeah, that looks really. Yeah, I heard they were pulling ads, and it was just like, okay, why? So now he's hurt his own show, which kind of sucks <laughs> because yeah, there's other wow. cast members on the show and writers and directors and all that. Oh, and it looks like Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, <laughs> used him in a uh, in a series of ads, and now they're pull, uh, pulling them. Oh. And he apologized on Twitter. You know, this was uh, after I moved with my wife to Los Angeles, New York City, in 2001, shortly after 9-11. I told people I was in one of the World Trade Center towers on 9-11. It wasn't true. I was in Manhattan. 
but working in a building in Midtown. I was not at the Trade Center on that day. I don't know why I said this. This was inexcusable. I'm truly, truly sorry for many years, for more than anything. I wished that with silence I could somehow erase a story by an immature young man. It only made me more ashamed. How can I tell my children to be honest when I hadn't come clean about this? And it goes on and on. So obviously he's been tortured about this. Well, also, I imagine that people who worked with him at the time or know him, even his wife, were probably like, why did you say that? That's bullshit. You know that's not true. And he's just like, no, 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 just leave me alone. Just go with it or whatever. And so it probably looked bad to people who knew him, like, wow, he just outright outright lied about that, you know? Yeah, he's saying that he used the story to explain why he dumped a desk job in Manhattan and moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career as a comedian. So he was basically just trying to make himself look interesting to people. Yeah, like... Like, to kind of leave a mark on people, like, oh, wow, yeah, good for you, man. Like, he was looking for some sort of validation in a lie. He could have died in 9-11, and he was like, you know what, I'm going into comedy. That's what I want to do. And he just wanted to have a poignant story. But, you know, probably not This a good is idea. not an uncommon thing. It just so happens that this guy is in the public eye. And when somebody does something like this, the better-than-thous love to jump on them. Yeah. Instead of trying to understand why he did it, they want to persecute him to the point where they make him a, a total pariah in the industry. Well, it's kind of like that Brian Williams stuff that you found out that he'd been exaggerating the news and it made me think in season uh, five of the wire there's a there's a storyline about a newspaper reporter who exaggerates in his stories and he interviews a veteran of uh, Iraq uh, who's homeless and the guy talks about how uh, what it was like there and stuff like that. Well, the news, the storyline comes out, and there's this dramatic shootout and helicopter that's been hit with a rocket and explodes, and the homeless guy comes up to the the newspaper, you know, the building, and he's like, I want to talk to that reporter who interviewed me. I know he's here. And they're like, sir, you can't just barge in here. And, you know, he's obviously homeless, and they don't want to let him in. And he's like, that guy's full of shit. I didn't say any of these things. And, you know, the reporter's telling his editor, like, oh, no, no, I, this never happened. This guy, he's probably embarrassed. He doesn't want to look like a hero. But it's all true. And the guy's making it all up. And it sees how he can't help himself. And it keeps spiraling out of control where he keeps exaggerating the story more. And there's a huge storyline in season five that it's actually pretty hilarious where it goes. But I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But um, when that Brian Williams stuff came out i was kind of like holy shit it's like that guy in the wire <laughs> yeah reporter who couldn't help himself you know i think it just it i think people get ahead of them i think are we all guilty of doing that at some point in our life you know kind of making up a story or starting to believe our own story right uh, that we tell people and it just gets out of hand and eventually it comes to light i mean i can sympathize with this guy my entire life i don't know why you know as a kid i would make things up like ridiculous things up uh and and it, i it was like a source of validation or maybe you know trying to make friends and i didn't know how to properly right like, like to just be to... myself instead of saying something stupid you're trying to like press them or something like that yeah 
Like, I, I mean, I would, I, I remember there was a whole, like, this elaborate lie that I created whenever I had gone back to a school that I uh, went to as a kid for one, for like one year, not even a full year. And I was trying desperately to like fit in and, or maybe just be like, people go, Oh man, that guy's cool. You know? And I would say like, Oh, I have a, uh, yeah, I have a super Nintendo. Uh, you should come over and play it sometime. And then whenever the kid would be like, Hey, can I come over and play the super Nintendo? I'd be like, Oh, Oh, it's, uh, I left it in, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't have it with me right now. You know, stuff like that. Like I, I think maybe, you know, this guy was just immature and felt like telling the story. It's, I would like to get kind of deeper into the idea of why we do it, but that's a whole different show. (laughs) Well, I think even part of his uh, apology, he says, I was young and stupid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's even deeper than that. That's, I I really sympathize with this guy. It it hurts my heart that uh, he's going through that and that uh, people won't, they will not let it die until they see him humiliated. And right. uh, I think that's a, a really evil part of human nature is tearing tearing someone down who made a mistake in a, in a source to you know make yourself feel Was better. Is that Schadenfreude? Yeah, it's total Schadenfreude. Total. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought that it was. Just that whole storyline was interesting. I mean, that not storyline; it's reality, Jason. Yeah, it, but well, uh, <laughs> that new story—it's a, st- <laughs> a storyline for him. Yeah, it's very interesting because you know I've known people in my life that uh, have bent the truth, and you're just kind of like it's almost—you always know when they are, and sure. so it's kind of like oh, maybe they just need to do this. They're trying to impress me. I wish they knew they didn't have to, you know what I mean? Like you, I've always, you know, I remember having a friend that told me, you know, I, I, you know, forgive me, but I was into Chuck Norris films when I was a kid and you'd always have that friend was like, Oh yeah, I'm a black belt. I've, you know, I've been in tournaments and stuff and you're like, Oh, cool. I probably would have said that my dad knows Chuck Norris or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Or it'd be like, well, show me some cool moves. Nah. I don't like to show off or whatever. I don't want to hurt you. I'm a deadly weapon. <laughs> yeah, but you pretty much sometimes you believe stuff for a while, but then you have this revelation like, holy crap, they're full of shit, you know, yeah. or something like that. I actually had a roommate that it turned out to be like that where I believed everything he said. And then one day it just kind of hit me. It was like an anvil fell out of the sky and hit me in the head. I was like, holy crap, this guy is full of shit. Those moments suck. Well, what happens is, you know, I guess everyone has that time in their life where they're very trustful. And it makes you suspicious of everyone for the rest of your life. I swear, like, you know, after I knew this person who turned out to be a liar, I figured everyone was full of shit who was talking to me, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It just, it's, uh, that's just what happens. I guess it's like relationships. When you have a bad one, you treat the next person not as well as you did the first relationship because you were treated like shit <laughs> before. Yeah, you're, you're damaged goods. Like, I'm never going to be that gullible again, damn it. You know? Yeah, it takes time it's to all, recover from that sort of thing. It's all life lessons. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a form of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, honestly. 
I mean, not nearly as bad as some people actually go through, but it, it is a form of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I find it, found it very hard to trust anyone uh, after that. Just, you know, for the longest time, I had a problem with it. Um, you know, as every year, or every, <laughs> every year, every episode of the show, we, <laughs> we complain about seeing the same... Uh, we see the same story over and over again, right? Yeah. And I'm trying to find this one. This happened like a week ago when we didn't do a show, but it drove me nuts that I saw this on every single website. Uh, because when somebody says something, even if it's in a throwaway line, you can turn an entire news story into it. And Steven Spielberg said, superhero movies will die off like Westerns. Okay. All right. In reality, here's what he said, if I could find the quote, uh, or I would just do hearsay. Okay, he said, we were around when the Western died, and there will be a time when the superhero movie goes the way of the Western. It doesn't mean there won't be another occasion where the Western comes back and the super who and the superhero movie someday returns. Of course, right now the superhero movie is alive and thriving. I'm only saying that these cycles have a finite time in popular culture. There will there will come a day when the mythological stories are supplanted by some other genre that possibly some young filmmaker is just think about discovering for all of us. Okay. Absolutely, it's it's the cycle of of life, the cycle of film. Just you could say the same thing for like the the mob films in the, in the forties and fifties. Right, you know, but- it, every 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 film has its day, and right now we're. I honestly feel like we're we're getting to the end of the the superhero film. Like I, I, think- I feel like they, everything that's been done can be done. Because I honestly, I felt like when I was sitting there watching the Age of Ultron, I felt like, okay, we've kind of seen this before. Like, everything is feeling a little too familiar. I think as long as there's a good film to be made, that it will be successful. It just, you know, there could be a ton of superhero movies that half of them are average and maybe one excellent one. But as long as excellent ones, I mean, if, if you glut any market... It will become saturated and stale, you know, like yeah. the video game industry or whatever. So as long as they keep putting out decent films, I think it won't die off. But my thing is that everyone jumped on. Steven Spielberg predicted superhero movies are going to die off. And it sounds like what he's saying is tomorrow. But yeah, he's saying that. No, Westerns died off, and they were the biggest movies ever. Every movie is a Western, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um so I could say that easily, you know, Bill, there'll be a time when romantic com- comedies won't be made. And you're what? like, whoa, I'm printing, I'm putting that in print. You know, do I really believe that? No. <laughs> yeah. There's, and again, there was, there's a whole, there's a season you, for every film, romantic comedies, case in point, the nineties, you know, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. you know, there was there's a season for these films and it's, he's just stating the obvious and, and they have to turn that's, that's, we complain about it every show, how these entertainment blogs love to manipulate and, uh, 
makeup storylines. Yeah, and just get you to click on one. Here's another one if you saw it. Star Wars The Force Awakens might, might, M-I-G-H-T, Bill, might have Ooh. a post credit scene. So what if the original Star Wars trilogy had them too? And it's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what if they did? Well, what if they did it because they did it? What's the point of your story? So basically what everyone is speculating is that at the end of Star Wars The Force Awakens, uh, when the credits are over, the movie's over, stay in your seat because you're going to see a Rogue One trailer, which I think would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Or show it before the movie with the trailers. <laughs> you know, you've got a captive audience there and everyone's going to get up and leave during, you know, believe it or not, people do get up and leave during credits all the time, even yeah. in Marvel movies. You it's know, a sickness. Yeah, I, I remember Ant-Man, Emma's like, where are they going? <laughs> she, even she understands that at her age. It, Every time, any film, and it's like when Natalie and I went to see Mission Impossible, we were just sitting through the credits because we enjoyed the film, and that's what we do. We, and yet we have a guy leaning out the window, even the, the projectionist leaning out the window. There's nothing after the credits. It's like, yeah, okay, we kind of realize that, but we're watching the credits. Thanks. Did you hear me? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> we're trying to close. It's one in the morning. We want to go home. It's like, do you mind? I'm, I am paying my respects to the filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I, 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 I've never understood why people just bolt after the credits, especially if you're sitting in a Marvel film. Right. Yeah, I, I guess some people just don't know or don't care. I mean, I don't think they care. They're just going to be entertained. You will see it on Hit Fix or Entertainment Weekly later in the day. So exactly, <laughs> somebody will leak that post-trailer scene on YouTube. Now, another big story that hit this week, Bill. I don't know if you saw this, but Matt Damon dismisses a woman on Project Greenlight. Over, I think it's funny that, uh, you know, I remember you telling me ma someone was accusing you of mansplaining <laughs> yes. on Facebook. Yes. And they said that Matt Damon was white splaining to this black woman about racial diversity. She, he actually was. I, I watched it. And yeah. it's, uh, the, the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, whoa, like this woman has a valid point, mm -hmm. And he was he was totally white splaining. Yeah, I think I got his point at the time, but I remember thinking as I watched it, boy, I'm glad I'm not him and having to say anything. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Basically, exactly. if you watch that scene, everyone else is just staring at him going, thank God Matt's talking right now so I don't have to. Well, the woman is, uh, she was responsible for, and I'm sure we'll get into it here shortly when we talk about Project Greenlight, but she's uh, she's one of those uh, hardcore feminist African-American African -American activists, and she was responsible for uh, Dear White People, or right. one of the people responsible for that film. So she's well steeped in that world so she was she was making a valid point about while it was a valid point about these the choice that she wanted to make on who would direct the film 
it was based on the the fact that they were the these two people were the only ones to bring up the fact that this character in the film they were going to be making one was a minority and two was a prostitute and she didn't want it to get uh, offensive. So right. she was just making that point, and then Matt Damon spoke up, and I was like, whoa, he's kind of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Right. He was saying, like, we worry about diversity in the cast when we're casting the film, not behind the scenes. And it was kind of like, uh, why not? You know, yeah, she was basically yeah, saying, was... you have this woman director. She's obviously sensitive to this character. Uh, about what you would do. Remember, there was, and if we talk about Project Greenlight, there's different contestants, and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and some other producers, they all pick who they think should direct this film. The film happens to be a screenplay produced by the Farrelly brothers, and they think it's a very funny movie about this guy who uh, gets stood up on his wedding, right? And he ends up marrying a prostitute. This, uh, and apparently it's a black prostitute and hilarity ensues, Bill. And a white guy marrying a black prostitute. Oh boy. Yeah, like yeah. that's a that's a red flag immediately for me. It's a little you know if it could go either way, and I could see why they brought that woman in to make sure that there you know was some sensitivity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was a very uncomfortable situation. And, and I'm is, I'm only just becoming familiar with these terms like mansplaining and white splaining and yeah yeah but uh, yeah he he totally did I was you know after I you know I had to look up what mansplaining was I was like holy shit do I do that yeah no I was totally guilty of it too in that situation and because I was I took it as like an insult like. Like, I understood it as, like, I was being a man talking down to a woman, but that's not what it was. It's you're trying to explain yourself or... uh... It's trying to validate, almost, your, 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 your point of view, like, your, your, your man point of view, and it's... It's really, I still don't quite understand it, and I think it's going to take a lot of introspection that I just don't have in me right now, <laughs> selfishly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, um, our culture now is becoming incredibly uh, more aware, I think, because of all the issues that we're undergoing in the world right now. So much uh, problems for some reason. I don't, maybe they've always been around, I don't know, but... Uh, Becoming more aware of them, I think, is a good a good thing. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was very obvious what was what was happening there. But you could you know he backpedaled, like the mo- he knew he was getting in over his head because he's an intelligent guy. But he, I think, the moment he opened his mouth, he realized, oh shit, one, uh, I better I better take a step back here. Right. Yeah. I. I... It's kind of like, I, well, I think I have um, what the woman said. Her name is Effie Brown. She produced uh, Dear White People. She said, I just want to urge people to think about whoever this director is, the way that they're going to treat the character of Harmony. Her being a prostitute, the only black person, a hooker who gets hit by her white pimp. And Matt Damon said, when we're talking about diversity, you do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show. And it said, this clearly flabbergasted Effie Brown. Oh, yeah. You could see it on her face. And she said, wow, okay. 
he later thanked Brown for flagging diversity and said it had merit, but it's not the only criteria. Um, basically, you know, he basically he kind of shooed her, you know, shushed her, you know, on that. Like, don't worry, we're going to handle that in casting. We're not worrying about it in the contestants because these are the contestants. You know, in his defense, they only had this many contestants. None of them were black. One of them was a woman and one was an Asian guy. So, you know, she's probably wondering, you know, basically what Matt Damon is saying, we have these filmmakers here to choose from. So we can't really make it about uh, racial diversity, I don't think. And she was also sensitive to the fact that they were the only ones to bring up that point. That this was uh, a black character, a female character, and a character who was abused by her white pimp. And I I think that immediately, you know, made her go, okay, so these people I can trust. Yeah, because there was a woman who said, I want to be very sensitive to Harmony. Harmony shouldn't be a joke. It shouldn't be someone you hate. She needs to be a real person. And Effie Brown was like, wow, thank you. You know, she's going to be a real person. I really like this lady and what she's bringing to the table. But creatively, they were pro- probably also one of the worst choices. Yeah, they to just kind of did film. cutesy edited videos for YouTube. I think most of them did. And there's one guy, the guy they picked. I liked when it was a Bobby Ferrelli. He goes, he he's a pretentious prick. You know, he's <laughs> he yeah. could tell he was pretentious just by watching his video, and it does look overly stylized. And this is the best part of the Project Greenlight thing. I love this. The guy wins, Bill. Yeah. And he goes over to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. He They're goes, just off stage. Like, it's just announced that this guy is going to direct the film. You know, his high from winning shouldn't have worn off yet. But already he's like, I only shoot on film. I don't do video. And they're like, and Ben Affleck's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I shoot on film, too. I understand. And what was the second thing he demanded? Because it was hilarious. He didn't want Pete Jones, the writer who's been working with the Fairley Brothers for years, ever since he won the first Project Greenlight. Yeah, he did Stolen Summer. Yeah, to to be his co-writer. And that he wanted um, a guy that wrote this. It was a film that made me go, Really? Like it was a it was a dark film, yeah. It was like a, a, a like not a comedy at all. Uh, a, and I wish I could remember exactly who he said it was, but it was just kind of mind blowing that they're working on this comedy, and all of a sudden this guy has this request to work with another guy who basically wrote an equivalent of let's say Fight Club. Yeah, you know, it was just not a film that you would think a guy would join him in writing a broad comedy. Right. I love that he wanted to hire a different guy and they're like, really? And what's funny is the camera showed Pete Jones standing over in the corner. Like after he said that, like, like he's wondering like, dude, my ears are burning. I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. This guy, I, I already, and again, it's a TV show. So they're looking for drama, but I don't like this guy. I, I appreciate what he did with his films. He was a dynamic filmmaker, but also I felt like he was he was the poor man's version of Luc Besson and uh, and um, David Fincher mixed together. Right, like right. I, he was I a felt, lot of style. Yeah, is more style and, and just kind of I 
I appreciated what he was doing, but I didn't think he was the right choice. I think yeah. they were trying to be um, controversial or maybe try to – they knew – I mean, come on. They're not losing any money in this. HBO is yeah, paying movies- this entire thing. It's not like the original – first couple seasons of project Greenlight, where they were the ones paying it well it's like yeah the, the movie's going to premiere on hbo which i think it's cool it's more uh, it's more realistic than it being in theaters you know yeah it's not like miramax was funding this thing do you remember that that final season with Gulliger, yeah. where miramax was making a split from was it disney or somebody yeah and they had to choose the films that would get included, and they weren't even sure if Feast would get a release. Yeah. They couldn't guarantee anything, and it was just a disaster. But. And it, I think Feast got like a release in New York and L.A. and then went straight to video. I thought the guy who made the video about everyone wearing a beanie, they, they should have picked that guy. Yeah, I thought it was very funny hipster comedy. It's like, dude, you take off the beanie. I walked yeah, in the with beanie you. bros. Yeah, the beanie brothers. And I honestly really wanted the guy from Bosnia. I thought, yeah, I thought everything that he had done was was solid and uh, really, really beautiful work. And he had a great story, and you could tell he was uh, uh, invested. But I just don't. I don't get why they chose this arrogant, slender man shithead. I, what's funny is when they were interviewing the winner guy before he won, they said, "Would you want to make this movie?" And he was like, "Oh, well, I guess." He, he wasn't interested in the movie at all. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't at all. Whenever they tried talking to him, that's why I was so blown away by it that he went into this interview with all these people, and he was just like. Yeah, it's not something I would normally choose to do. And uh, it just felt very like he was above it. Like he felt he was better than the material. And you've got the Fairley brothers just sitting there looking at him like, who is this asshole? Like, how dare he, you know, he hasn't even made a Hollywood film. And he's going to tell us what, what he thinks he's worthy of. I, you know, right away, though, I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. I was like, oh, please let this be on video on demand. But it wasn't. I have to wait till this Sunday. <laughs> I want to see what happens, you know. And yeah, I did- Nat- Natalie just made a really good point because she's she's listening off to the side here. And she said that, you know, she spent many years in L.A. and Hollywood is 90 percent ego. And, you know, that's what everybody works on. Oh, yeah, Totally. Is- it has nothing to do with actual talent and everything to do with your ego. Look, I mean, case in point, Brett Ratner. Has he ever done anything that has made people go, wow, that guy's got talent? Well, you know, but he's it. got presence. He's got ego. He's got pull. And uh, that's what that's how he, you know, he knows the right people. And uh, he, I guess... Or I guess he makes the right films. I can't. I can honestly say I've never watched a Brett Ratner film and went, "Wow, that was an amazing film." Yeah, but no. he's known for his ego. Whenever uh, Red Dragon is on TV, I'm like, "Good God, why did they let oh, him make God, this?" I totally <laughs> forgot he did Red Dragon. Yes, he got wow. Anthony Hopkins. He got uh, Edward Norton in it, and it was just yeah. like, "Oh, why did you do this?" I always forget that. I, I always, Ray when I think Brett Ratner, I think, uh, 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 you know, the Rush Hour films and that god-awful Tower Heist mm-hmm. that I don't think I've ever finished. I've watched it in, like, 20-minute segments and had to bail each time. 
Ray Fiennes was Francis Dollarhide in that too. Yeah. He had some great actors in it. Yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was uh, Freddie. Uh, yeah, the reporter. Yeah. For, the I only problem is he directed it. <laughs> yeah, the that was the main problem is that he directed it. Um, you know, I didn't even watching this, I thought Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were really cool with the filmmakers. They were like very complimentary. You know, they're like, yeah, you're very talented. I thought it was brilliant the way you did this. And they really made them all feel good about themselves. It's just they went for the artsy-fartsy guy, and I'm not sure why, for a Ferrelli Brothers comedy, you did that. Yeah, that kind of blows my mind. Basically, it's going to be... And there was even that producer later, she said that uh, making movies, uh, you know, believe it or not, there's not a lot of happy people. You know, there's a lot of arguing involved, and it looks like this is going to have a lot of arguing, because there's a lot of... It's all creative control and people fighting, which sounds exhausting to me. Well, you know what? I, you know, as we're sitting here talking about the artsy fartsiness of this guy directing a broad comedy, it makes me think of the main problem with comedy directors right now is that everything is flat. Yeah. Uh, the only director that is directing quality comedy right now is Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright knows how to handle comedy. He knows how to make it uh, like vivacious and exciting and, and interesting. And when you look at a, a filmmaker, there was that entire that somebody did a YouTube video, like a video essay on the problems with comedy directors right now. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was a long and, time ago. He was comparing Heat to Hot Fuzz, which isn't really fair. <laughs> no, it's not fair to to compare Paul Feig's directing of The Heat to Hot Fuzz. But it's it's I think it it's valid and I think maybe that's what they were trying to do was choose somebody that wouldn't have that flatness that could maybe bring a certain flavor to it. To this, because the script, everyone that has that went in there, except for the the Asian guy and the girl, said that the script was not particularly good. Yeah, they're like it needs work. So, I uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm in I'm in for the long haul. I want to see what this guy, in all his super creepy, totally drives a rapist van look. <laughs> does with this because there's that one shot that like final shot they do of this guy on the show where he's standing there like all proud of himself and like pulls at his jacket and is, like looking over his shoulder and it's like man this guy is a total asshole yeah. like he he believes whatever bullshit he's selling so i'm totally. i'm excited to see what he does with it you know what he could do with it like if he picked like something like Martin Scorsese doing After Hours as like inspiration, yeah, you can God. still have your visual flair and style, but also yep. make sure it's funny. It doesn't have to be dark and creepy and kind of disgusting. Because actually, you know, they they had to make this film based on someone going to a uh, dating. What do you call those? The uh, the when you go from table to table. Inter, uh, on a date. Mm -hmm. What do they call that? The, the speed dating. Speed dating. They, they had to make a film based on speed dating, and his was kind of moody and dark and depressing or whatever. And I think that's what they liked the most about it was how they were talking about the color palette that this guy chose, that it was yeah, like yeah. 
it it honestly looked and the reason why I bring up David Fincher's it looked like the group meeting in Fight Club like it was very it was shadowy and grungy and dark yeah. and it made this speed dating look filthy but the guys got to know yeah it's great to look fantastic but it's got to be funny too dude yeah i i think that's the thing i i worry the most about is you know whenever he wants to bring somebody in to rewrite the script that's only known for a film with a tone God, I wish I could remember what di- what writer he wanted to bring in because it was one of those films like, like what? Yeah, like on a comedy. That is I, funny. Yeah, so I'm I'm I I love that we now have a show like this that we can watch. Uh, there hasn't I've really been excited about a show in a very long time, and I've always liked the Project Greenlight. So yeah, the, I. I don't. Did we? We never. We didn't even do a show yet. The last time that was on, I think. No. I. I. What was the last one? The Battle of Shaker Heights. No. It was the Feast one. The oh, was Feast. That's right. Before we we did a podcast. Yeah, it was, and that was a that was one that we never missed on Bravo. Um, because that's uh, yeah, it was Feast. I, I just remember the Battle of Shaker Heights because the. The director wanted a Peter Gabriel song, and they they were like, "Really? You want to you want us to pay for a Peter Gabriel song for the credits?" Yeah, <laughs> and he ended. I think they ended up actually contacting Peter Gabriel, and he was like, "Okay, well, it's not technically a Peter Gabriel song. It's a it's an Afro Celt song, so you can use the part where Peter Gabriel sings, but not where anyone else sings." <laughs> it's such a disaster. Yeah, that was. And that was one of those movies that was... Uh, I'm so glad that this year they chose just a director. Yeah, not a Instead writer. of trying to do the script and well, the direction. Yeah, the, the first season they did a writer-director. One guy who mm-hmm. writes and directs his own film. Then the second year they're like, no, 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 no. We need to do writer and director separately. So there's two winners. And then... They did a feast with Gulliger, and they had two guys. Oh, I remember the second season, Battle Shaker Heights. The it was a directing duo, so it was two guys and then a writer. So she was always outvoted by them, you know, because it's two yeah, against that's one. right. And then uh, the Gulliger season, it was two writers and one director. And those guys were such tools, by the way. I remember them. Yeah, that, I remember, tools. was it, one of them was Melton? Yeah, I think I looked to see if they've done anything since, and I think Pete Jones is the most successful out of all of those guys. Yeah, didn't, uh, Pete Jones says he was, he's been doing um, TV and working with the Fairley Brothers. Yeah, it, he basically stayed friends with Ben and Matt and all them, and he stayed, he didn't need to... Uh, I don't know, whatever. The poor girl who wrote Battle Shaker Heights, I'm not sure what she's done since then. I don't think she's written anything. I think she worked in productions and stuff. All right, so Patrick, it was Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton that did Feast. What are those guys up to? Uh, The Collector? Saw 4... Piranha 3 Double D, which was a Gulliger film, right? Uh, I think Gulliger actually directed Piranha 3 Double D. Yeah, he did. Oh, wow. So he keeps working with those guys? <laughs> yeah. 
But I don't know if you heard about this hilarious story. It, it's not hilarious at first, but um, basically what it was, was this was the article. It said, Luke finds downside of skywalking. That's the story. The actor, Mark Hamill who plays Luke Skywalker in Star Wars films. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I saw this story. He was saved from a dangerous fall on an island off the coast of Ireland where two people have fallen to their deaths in recent years. Oh, Oh, my dramatic. That's very serious or whatever. So anyway, it goes on and on how he almost died. Well, then Mark Hamill tweeted, um... The story is completely untrue. Don't know how this got started, but filming went splendidly. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> then he wrote, fabricated stories usually contain a seed of truth. Didn't so much as stub a toe, but thanks for your concern. Hashtag false news. And, he, and then he wrote, sorry, not even a skin knee, bee sting, or bump on the head. So... Basically, it was just a bullshit story, and I love that he called it out. Like, uh, this never happened. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I I would... <sighs> Did they say the source was, like, somebody that worked on the set? It was some bullshit. And they said that, like, basically a guide, like, basically an Irish Sherpa saved him or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about that? The Luke, uh, he almost died. Oh, wow. Yeah, the- an Irish sur- Sherpa saved him. It was amazing. I can't do an Irish voice. Uh, I, can't, I could never do an Irish voice. That's just, that's not happening. That's crazy. Like, I, all, I can, all I can think of is uh, 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 Chris O'Dowd, the a fire at a sea parks from the <laughs> IT crowd. That's all I can think of. Well, the best thing about that Luke story or Mark Hamill is that it was on every website one day, and then the next day he's like, never happened. And then they all print, you know, Mark Hamill says story never happened. or you know. But at least they had things to fill out their page for the day, right? Yeah, they got, they got enough notice on the, the Facebook. Did it, did it get to be trending? So that's the thing I've noticed recently is the incredibly irritating Facebook trending on the side. Oh, yeah. Uh, so now it's like, uh, I think the one at the top of my list, yeah, it's uh, Falcon Toys creates fake toaster pastries featuring Star Wars character Han Solo. So that's yeah, the... I'd, I'd seen that already. Yeah. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the big thing. It's either that or the uh, today was... I think every other post was the fridge with Han Solo, the mini fridge with Han Solo and Carbonite that is going to be included with the Battlefront pre-order at Walmart if you do like the legendary edition or How whatever the hell it is. How big is that fridge? Is it pretty tiny? Or? No, it fits, yeah, it fits, it fits six cans of soda. Oh, so it's pretty small. But yeah, it's, it's probably like cool. one of those USB fridges that don't that are. Uh, it doesn't actually have like a compressor in it. It's like one of those uh, that only gets like twenty degrees cooler than ambient. Ah. Oh. So it's probably a total piece of shit. <laughs> but it's just something you like, leave on your. It's show. got Han Solo on it. It's carbonite. Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna pay two hundred and fifty dollars to stare at this thing. 
So what did you think about all those Star Wars toys that came out? Did anything go like, oh, man, I wish I could get that? Or did you not care at all? You know what? I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that whenever I saw it was Force Friday, I wanted to go to Toys R Us. And even Natalie said... Well, let's let's go to Toys R Us and look and see what they have. Let's let's. I was like, let's have some fun. Let's go look. And I was like, I don't know. I'm all, <laughs> I'm a total downer. I am. A, <laughs> she just said I'm a drag. Well, also, I mean, if you know you're you go, you're going to spend money too. That's true. But again, it would be easy for me to go because I have no money to spend on them. The one it's, thing that that BB-8, I know I don't need it, but I was just like, oh, I want that. I'm like the lady in Napoleon oh, Dynamite yeah. when she I, sees the boat. She goes, oh, I want that. Yeah. If I had if I had $150 just burning a hole in my pocket, I want that little BB-8 droid. Yeah, it's so just cool. To, just to roll around so that I would chase the chickens with it. I know that baby would chew that thing. I would wake up oh. in the morning and there would be pieces of BB-8 everywhere. And i go, you killed him. <laughs> yeah, Webster is notorious for eating expensive things. So I know for a fact that if I had that BB-8 droid, it would be gone within a day or two. The force is strong with you, Bill. Well, thank you. There was a, in that uh, one Clone Wars when um, Palpatine takes the blood. Oh my God! I, the, this video is just playing. I hate when videos just start playing. It's so isn't lame. that irritating? Hitfix that does that worst. now. If you know, um, um, uh, what's his name? Drew McWeeny did, reviewed this film that I wanted to read about. It's about uh, Charlie Kaufman's new film. He gave the he uh, was doing this write up about it and i was like oh i've got to read this when you click on it it starts playing a trailer not for that film for some other film that's out in theaters this week it automatically starts playing and i was so annoyed i just closed it i was like you know what i don't need to read this so screw you man yeah that's really irritating i wish you know i used to use uh ad block in firefox and then it started, uh, you couldn't do anything with it. Like, it would basically disable pages. So I had to disable it and just eventually just entirely remove it. But that's that happened to me just a few moments ago whenever I opened up a page and it just starts playing one of those sidebar ads. But, yeah, uh, Zell is right. If you were to get the BB-8 and want to terrorize your chickens, you got to get it on video. Oh, yeah. If I... If- I well, we actually lost two chickens yesterday. Oh yeah, that oh, yeah, you told me about that. That was the worst. Like we went out for, we just needed to get out of the house. Like I needed a break from studying. I had been in the house all day. Uh, Natalie got home, and I was just like, "Can we just go somewhere? Like, just let's go to the Chinese restaurant because we love going to the Chinese restaurant because they play this awful, like music choice. I don't even know what system it's on. If anybody can help us, that's listening. There is a channel on one of one these. Susie. either go and yep. eat it. That is our. That's our. That's the our waiter. Uh, <laughs> actually, our waiter is the manager of Yummy Yummy, and she looks like she's smoked way too many cigarettes and she's white. So. She looks like a meth head. She, I didn't want to say it, but Natalie said it. I'm just going to say it. She's a meth head. Oh, dear. Um, she still has her teeth. <laughs> yeah. Meth heads. So we, we had to go. We had to get out of the house in the Chinese restaurant that's just down the road. It's not great, but they have this audio channel. Somebody please help us find it. It plays 
music of the 70s and 80s, but live versions of stuff. So okay. if you can imagine sitting down for your General So's chicken and hearing a live version of Taylor Dane singing Tell It to My Heart. Nice. Or, yeah, it's it's amazing. Or like there's a version of uh, holding – what is that song? The Holding for a – holding out for – no, no, it's holding for a heartache or something like that. What is that? I, I can't remember what song it is, but at one point in the song, he goes, don't make me hurt you. And I just, every time, every time we're there, I just wait for it because they play the same loop, the same loop of these awful songs from the 70s and 80s in live versions. It's got to be a loop. Because we hear the same songs every time we go. Oh, it probably is. Oh, yeah. We didn't hear... That's another one. The live version of That's What Friends Are For. Fantastic. Dion Warwick is really on her game on that one. Uh, but I'll, like, hold up Soundhound just to know what album it came off of. Because it's just so great. It's so awful. Uh, but we go there, and we're only there for maybe, like, an hour, hour and a half. And we... We one I think we run one other errand. We come home, and I go down to close the coop for the night. And there's only nine chickens, and uh, I thought there was there's supposed to be eleven. So normally there's five on one side, and four on another. How does it? Or no, I'm sorry, five and six. And there was there was only nine. So then I start walking around thinking that maybe. You know, it got dark. It's getting darker earlier. Maybe their clock was off. Uh, maybe they're up on, like, the hay bales up on the porch or something, somewhere. So I start walking around calling them, chicken, 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 chick, chick, chicken. And then I do come wait. across just this swath Bill, of feathers. Bill, do they come when you say chicken, chicken? They do. Okay. They, they totally do. <laughs> they think that's what it is. They think we have treats. Like, they think they, if they hear us, anytime I get home from school and I close the car door, normally they're, like, running to me, like, what you got? So, yeah, they do come. But then I just saw this swath of feathers, and I was like, oh, shit. Oh. So I spent, like, two hours in the pitch black darkness Your with one of those. video on Facebook with a light in the dark showing a bunch of feathers, it yeah. looked like a horror movie. Oh, it like, totally was. Like, you're watching, like... Blair Witch or something. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those like uh, those headlights on that uh, Natalie used for hiking. Uh -huh. So I had that on, and I was able to move the camera with my head. So, uh, yeah, just a swath of feathers. And uh, so now we're two down. I I think it was a hawk, because honestly, if it was like a raccoon or something, as it was dragging the chicken, feathers would have like fallen off as it was taking it up into the woods or something and there's nothing there's just a swath of like feathers no evidence except there's for the feathers yeah zero evidence and even if it was a dog you know i i don't know it's i think that's the worst thing about lo losing livestock like that is not knowing like if we could just know what happened we could then do something to prevent it which is what we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to build a run which you know uh that's closed in. It's total bullshit. We don't, we have to, Natalie wants to get a farm dog and I don't want another dog, but, uh, a useful dog. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
it's it, that was heartbreaking. But I would totally chase the chickens with the the BB-8 if I could. It would it would be it would be two less chickens that I was chasing with BB-8. Do you, you know now that you've owned chickens for a while? Do they have personalities or are they pretty dumb? You know what? They're pretty dumb. No, they. they yeah we do have one that i was really hoping survived i was afraid that she didn't we call her blanche because she's the she's the the darkest of the ones we got from uh uh she's sassy she's the darkest of the ones that we got from tractor supply so she's identifiable uh yeah no she's just darker um, but yeah, I mean, they do, they have personalities, but they're still, you know how you hear about Jesus. pecking order. It's a totally a thing. They're all bitches. They're all just nasty. It's like a high school click. Uh, they push them around. They're just, yeah, they're, they're chickens are not nice. They're all mean to each other. Yeah, they are mean to it. They're all mean to each other. It's like, get out of my way. Yeah, you put food down, and, like, one of the younger ones will come over to get it, and then one of the older ones will peck her in the head. Ow. Yeah, and it's, 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 you, we end up having to do, like, multiple piles of food whenever we do feed them feed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, it's interesting to get attached to an animal that is just, Giving you something. I think the thing that annoys us the most, other than not knowing what happened to them, is that we're not the ones that got to eat them. Like, because this is, we've put the hard work into raising these things and keeping them safe or as safe as we could and giving them the best of everything. Uh, and then some dog or some hawk just took two of our roast chickens. Because eventually, you know, whenever the time comes, we're going to eat them. Have you ever. Uh, done that to a chicken, like uh, plucked it and uh, chopped its head off and all that stuff. No, but I have watched YouTube videos. <laughs> no, I I'm sure I could. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, but I I think I can. Just because I've lived with the chickens and I they do. I mean, while they do have personality, they still do look like soulless dinosaurs. Right. Like, you know, pigs is different because they have personalities, they're smart, they're adorable, and then it's just like, God, why do they taste so good? You know what I mean? Well, they're adorable until they get big. And then when they're big, because, you know, my friends have the farm and we'll go out there. Yeah. And whenever pigs are big, they're not adorable. They're kind of intimidating. Oh. Uh, so I don't think I would have as much of a problem with a pig. When they're small, they're, to- they're totally freaking adorable. Like, you couldn't think that this thing makes delicious bacon. You're just kind of right. obsessed with how cute it is. And I think that's a problem that our friends have that do run a farm, is they become attached to these animals like they're pets. Oh, naturally. And, and they they lose money. They lose money because they refuse to, you know, slaughter them themselves or anything like that. So... I can yeah. see where the problem would happen if you're if you're an animal person. If I had a farm or whatever like that, it would honestly I mean, this isn't an imaginary scenario, so I wouldn't need the money. I would uh want them all as pets and never eat them, basically. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think I think everybody wants that. Even Natalie said who doesn't want that? I think I I I'm a I think farmers want that. Yeah. 
she's probably right. Even farmers want that. But that you know, you kind of got to. I think once you get into the cycle of of animal murder, you get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's time to kill the pigs. <laughs> you kind of turn into Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men. You, you just, just have turn, to turn off You just emotion. start going around with that bolter. <laughs> You're like, you have to be like the old guy in Napoleon Dynamite when the kids are on the bus and he <laughs> loads his shotgun and kills a cow in front of all of them. They're all like, <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I think you're right. I think you, you have to become desensitized to it. Yeah, there's so many chicken videos on YouTube of people that like calm the chicken and pet the chicken and make sure the chicken's okay before they slice its throat open. And it just feels kind of like, oh, oh, well, that escalated quickly. Like, like lulling the chicken into security and then just dispatching it. Like, thank you, chicken. Let's see. But I have a feeling that. that's exactly how I'm gonna be. Hey, Lyle. Remember this, Bill? <laughs> I love the school bus pulls up right as he's about to kill the cow. <laughs> Why does he shoot that cow with a shotgun? Because it's Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Gotta put it down. <laughs> put that cow down. No, I love the way that guy talks. You can't understand a damn word he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy in Hot Fuzz. Rewind! Rewind! And I love it's that one actor who I love, too. I can't think of his name. You know, from uh, The Strain. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't. I couldn't tell you his name either. Have you watched any of season two of The Strain, Bill? Uh, one episode. I have it all on the DVR. I haven't watched any of it. Yeah, I think we watched one episode where they're all kind of hauled up or hauled up, hold up in their uh, uh, their hideout. Yeah, but I'll I haven't gotten past it. that. I'll get to it. Now, have you watched um, any of the new Walking Dead series? No, I'm neither, done. Neither have I. I just, I'm done. No, I don't even think the new the new series Fear the Walking Dead even appeals to me. Yeah, I I didn't watch the yeah, last... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Have you watched any of the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying, I was oh. going to say that I haven't even watched any of the, uh, the I guess, the original series. I think, like, the last right, five... Right. No, I didn't watch any of the last season. Um. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I watched... Uh, Heather and I started watching... Um, um, shut up, Jason. Come on. Focus. Last week, the new season of Longmire appeared on Netflix, and we've been watching that. Remember? Uh, oh, yeah, I remember you loved that show. Yeah, Annie canceled Longmire, and it was like, what? It even ended on a cliffhanger, Bill. And then Netflix was like, oh, this is bullshit, and they picked it up. So it's like 10 episodes, and we watched the first six, and it's been fantastic. Um, it's just great to see a show that you know, was canceled, have new life again. I love when sure. that happens. And that's based on a series of books, right? Yeah, the Longmire, uh, Walt Longmire Mysteries. He's just a, you know, he's a town sheriff, and uh, he's good at solving crimes. And he He's like the country version of um, uh, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, he loves Rainier beer, too. Oh, nice. That's his favorite beer. 
And uh, most of the series has been about him trying to also solve his wife's murder. Oh, no. And, and uh, baby solving that murder also. Yeah, I wish she would shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but luckily, you know, it's it's kind of like every show. In fact, the new fall season of shows is coming on, you know, starting up next week. And a lot of these shows are procedurals with a mystery of the week, but plus uh, over a season-long arc of a mystery. And Mm. that's what Longmire has been doing. But, you know, then they have an episode where the whole episode ties into this season-long arc. Yeah. And then it goes back to the uh, mystery of the week again. So now that it's on Netflix, you get the feeling they can do more of an episodic nature than do the individual episode a week because when you're on regular TV, the studios are like, no, no, no. We want people to jump on at any time. Yeah. You got to have individual stories. So I like that on Netflix, they don't have to do that shit at all. No. Did you ever finish bloodline? Heather did. I did not. And I'm trying to think of how far I made it in. It was, she was so into it. She was like, I want to keep going. And I was like, well, I got to work on the show or something like that and put headphones on. She just kept going and finished it without me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, I think I, uh, it started getting pretty, um, murky whenever I, uh, I had to get out like the stuff that uh, Danny was getting into some dark stuff. Well, Danny was into dark stuff the entire show. What am I saying? Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I need to finish that. We, Natalie and I started watching it. You know what it was? It was just so emotionally he- like heavy. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Bloodline. It's a kind of thing like um, a show like uh, Hannibal. You have to be in the mood to watch it. Yeah, I keep trying to get Natalie to watch Hannibal, but she says she she loves watching shows that she doesn't have to think about while she's doing stuff like filling out applications. So or, that that sounds like she just doesn't want to be engaged in a show. <laughs> well, no, she she likes to watch I Supernatural. Vampire Diaries. Bill, I uh, told you guys what to watch while folding laundry, and that is, uh, oh yeah, the boat, the boat the, show, Below Deck, Below Deck. Please tell me you watched it. No, we haven't watched Below Deck. <laughs> You've got to. It's you know what's crazy about this yacht is they have these guys who are millionaires, and the employees on the boat, you know, they make money their money off of the tips of these people so if they leave twenty thousand dollars when their weekend's over then they get to split it and they make some good bank right but i'm they i don't know why they don't feel this way one guy did but the millionaire guy he's like well i want all the employees to do a diving contest and me and my friends we will go down in the jetty or whatever and we'll watch you guys dive off of the boat and i want you all to wear wonderful outfits and stuff like that so they're like okay and this one guy he's like i'm not his monkey and they're like come <laughs> on it's for money he said he'd give 500 bucks whoever was the most flamboyant or whatever and he's just like ugh and disgusted but everyone does it 
even uh, one chick flashes them. And she's the one who gets the 500 bucks, by the of way. Of course. But, um, you basically have to... Um, Humiliate yourself for rich people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why they didn't see that. Or maybe they just didn't want to because they wanted the money. But you see stuff like that. and mo- Yeah, must- I really need to watch that. Yeah, you do. I mean, it, the show... It will- sounds like a sociology experiment in a television show. And there's always someone who wants to hook up with other people on the boat, and the other people aren't interested. And it's just well, you know what? Sad. We need this. We need this show in our lives because I'm getting tired of HGTV. <laughs> yeah, I Natalie just made this face like, I'm oh my gosh. Of too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there's that tiny, tiny house show on HGTV, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. But there's this uh, couple, they're not married yet, they're engaged, right? And they're, or maybe, are they newlyweds? Maybe they're newlyweds. They've just literally got married like a month ago. And they still have an apartment, but, you know, they're both in debt. They got married in debt. And his idea for them to get out of debt is to get a tiny house, right? Yeah. And... You can tell they've only been living together for like three months or something, and she wants some things, but she doesn't want to assert herself, but he knows exactly what he wants. So all these little tiny houses, you know, they don't want to build a tiny house. They want to find one that's already made, but he wants a uh, compost toilet. That's all he knows. I want a compost toilet. I've read about them. They're really cool and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that's the one thing I'm going to have to put my foot down. I do not want a compost toilet. I don't want that. And I he's don't like, I want to have to compost my own crap. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're going to get one. So you just got to use, and you can tell she's like, oh, no, he didn't just say that, you know, because we're also on TV right now. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. So they look at all these places and they don't really like any of them. They're like, oh, this is old. And I swear, Bill, they're looking at tiny houses, every single house. Oh, it's so tiny. And I was just like, damn it. You were on a show called Tiny Houses. Stop describing it as tiny. It was making me so mad. And my favorite is when they go, oh, it's so much bigger on the inside. (laughs) Like, like. Yeah, okay. And here's the funny thing. Their budget was like $100,000, right? Jesus, that's a lot of money. And this guy was like, here's what you need to do. You need to build your own house. And you can buy a kit or plans already made up. You can tell me what you want and put it all in. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, we put the stove here. And he's like, how much is the stove? And he goes, it's going to cost you $1,000. And he's like, we'll get our own stove. It'll be cheaper. And oh my he's god! Like, he's like, well, it sounds your- like me. <laughs> yeah, he goes, uh, we'll run your plumbing up through here in the bathroom. He goes, whoa, 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 we don't need plumbing. We're gonna get a compost toilet. <laughs> and she's like, what about running water? And he's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And I was like, oh my god, these people. Do you want to just bucket the water in with your compost toilet? <laughs> so finally, what the people do. They spend like $89,000 on a piece of land they fall in love with. And they try to start building their own tiny house with the money they have left. So like fifteen grand, Right. So here's what they're doing. They're still living in their apartment and coming on weekends to build their tiny house. And they already spent $89,000 on a piece of land. 
and you just see the guy, he's like, you know, looking at instructions and trying to build things. And the wife is just standing there and uh, watching him. And he's like, well, you, you ready for some lunch? And she's like, sure. And they go out and he's trying to light a fire and she's just sitting there watching him. And he's like, well, we'll, we'll grill up something here if I can ever get this fire. And she's like, oh, that's great. I'll just sit here. And you can tell, I was like, I turned to Heather and I go, they're probably divorced. They've got to be divorced by now. There is no <laughs> way these people last. They just look like so clueless, but it was very entertaining. If I could yeah. find that one episode, I would love you to see it. It's hilarious. Okay. I'm sure. And I'm sure if Natalie hasn't seen it, it's I'm, okay. Well then it's gotta be, it's gotta be, there's only a handful of tiny house shows. There's yeah, tiny yeah. house hunting. They kind of rerun the same one with a, it's like a black woman with this red patch of hair and she has her house built. Okay. And, uh, she, uh, wants this all this closet space so this guy builds her some extra closet space for her tiny house in a tiny house yeah yeah and it is really nice but they show the episode over and over again (laughs) yeah okay so we need to watch below deck i need to find that is it on any of the streaming services yet uh i don't know you can definitely find it on bravo on demand oh sweet yeah okay they might have some episodes on there, but I guess I should look now while I'm pulling uh, um, bandwidth. But uh, yeah, no, we'll I'll find it. The show will disgust you, but it's one of those things I just can't stop watching. No, it sounds like it's a blast. <laughs> I love seeing people humiliate themselves for money. My it's favorite, like watching a game show. My favorite person on the show is the captain. How he cannot. You know, he's, he doesn't suffer fools, and when someone acts like an idiot, he calls them up to the uh, bridge or whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> the captain's bridge. And he's like, uh, yeah, you're here to do your job and stop acting like a jackass. And the person's like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. And they're like, man, the captain's a hard ass. But literally, that's the work ethic people have these days where they don't want to do anything you know, at their yeah, job. they just want everything given to them. They want to just get away with everything, and uh, hey, I'm and don't and they don't want to be called out on anything either. So yeah, hey, Bill, we have a voicemail. You want to listen to it? It's from yeah, let's Jason. Give it a shot. It's a Jason Swinchalk voicemail. Oh, sweet! And uh, let's check it out. Hey guys, it's Jason Swinchalk. Uh, been listening for about a year now, as you guys know. Um, friends with Billy for a long time there. Billy? And uh, I just wanted to call in finally and let you guys know I just love the show. I'm surprised uh, that this thing hasn't gone worldwide by now, but uh, I will let We're you guys know surprise. that I'm doing everything in my power, and I will do to get this show some recognition that I think it deserves. And uh, to get a little more topical, I know you guys are playing Mad Max right now. Yes, sir. I myself am, and I'm enjoying it. I, I like an open world game with a lot of stuff to collect and things to do. I know at one point uh, me and Bill talked about Infamous and uh, our OCD personalities that love to just collect every single thing and not leave an area till every task is done. So uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying that uh, in Mad Max as well. Uh, I did see the movie uh, about a, two weeks ago, and. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie as a as a you know as a standalone Mad Max film thing, but it just didn't feel like Mad Max to me. And I, I hate people that say you know, 
oh, so-and-so's uh, that character me. You can never replace him. Because uh, I know with, like, Freddy Krueger, I was a fan of, uh, of of the new guy that played him in the remake instead of, you know, I still like Robert England, though. But it just felt weird without Mel Gibson. Uh, but, you know, I can get on the bus with this new guy, too. Hey, whatever. Uh, but just like I said, it was a good movie. just felt not like a Mad Max to me. Um also, I mean, how many times are we going to have the damn cool car and then it gets destroyed at the beginning of the movie? And I mean, let's just finally have a film where Mad Max just has the car the whole damn yeah, movie. Can he keep the and it's in the apocalyptic setting and he just goes wild with it. And you see a whole bunch of cool shit happen with him in the car because that's I, part I agree. of him, uh, I feel. Uh, anyway, I've rambled on about that enough. Uh, also, though, I know you, how you guys feel about Destiny. Uh, it has sucked me in the last couple of months again. I was one of the players that jumped on in the beginning, and then oh, yeah. just like you guys kind of, I don't know, pooped out after a while with it, just the repetition of it and these expansion packs that give you three new missions, and they're like rehashes of old stuff. But i got to say, with the new content in the third expansion, there is just a mind-boggling amount of things to do, tasks, quests, and it just does make it feel like we played a, a year-long beta. Um, so I don't know if you guys, wow. I you just wanted to know yeah. your opinion on Destiny, if there was a chance you guys ever would return to it. Um, but anyway, that's what's going on in my corner of the world. I uh, you know, wish you guys a great show tonight, and I uh, hope you guys are all doing well, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Jason. By the way, Jason, he's a new patron of the show. Oh, sweet. And I want to apologize for my beagle baby barking throughout your voicemail. I will beat her later. <laughs> of course, that just means rubber belly later. Yeah. Um, now, as for Mad Max Fury Road, yes, it is hard to get used to someone other than Mel Gibson being Max. I will Absolutely. admit that. I will admit that. It has all the fantastic Mad Max world, the fantastic thing with the Citadel and Bullet Town and Gas Town and all the bad guys and the awesome uh, action. And uh, I thought Charlize Theron was, as Furiosa was fantastic. And I think that, that's why it was her movie, honestly. Right. Ma you know, we talked about this after the movie came out. Max is kind of like a side character who uh, he spends the film kind of becoming himself again. And then at the end of the film... Oh, he remembers I'm Max. I almost, you know, I watched it. I got it on Blu-ray the day it came out and I rewatched it. And I realized, I can't believe I only saw this once in the theater, but I rewatched it with uh, closed captioning on because to be honest with you, I missed a lot of the dialogue and it made a world of difference because I totally didn't catch on to a lot of things like the whole, uh, the thing about uh, witness me, you know, the the one war boy, he gets shot and he's like, uh, witness me. And they're like, bear witness. And then he sacrifices himself. He blows himself up and they're like, ah, oh, what an ass. You know, he screwed it up or whatever. <laughs> and the guy's dead. But uh, that makes it more poignant later on when Nux has to do that. But it's like they've been raised on this religion where. The greatest thing for them to do is to give their lives to Immortan Joe and enter the gates of Valhalla. And they just want someone to witness them doing something great as they die. That that was like, you know, I totally didn't feel that emotion 
emotional thing there when I first saw the film. But now yeah. when I watched it the second time and the thing with Nux, it meant so much more to me. And, it, and I he felt, gave his life for, you know, the, the women. Yes. The, and I felt an emotion there. And there's even a part where they're trying to talk some sense into him when he's still kind of programmed. Because all the war boys are manipulated and programmed probably from birth. Yeah. To serve a Morton Joe, they don't realize it's just some asshole who's manipulating them, you know? Okay, hold on. I got to shut this damn door. This dog is ruining. You're ruining podcasting. Okay, so anyway. Now, this is podcasting. So, anyway. Thank you, Anakin. Uh, <laughs> um, Tom Hardy as Max, when he says, there's a part where Furiosa says, What's your name? And he just kind of looks at her and he goes, what does it matter? And on second viewing, I realized, or at least I thought, I was like, he doesn't remember his name. I actually, I didn't pick up on that the first time, but I honestly think that he doesn't remember his name. So wow. at the end of the film where he goes, Max, my name is Max. And he tells her that. I think he's just remembering, holy shit, my name is Max. You know, unless his daughter has been calling him Max the whole thing. And I don't remember that, but no. uh, it's just little things. Maybe he doesn't remember who he is or maybe he really means it. What does it matter what my name is? I'm not. I'm no, just, I think you're onto something. He's just a shell of a man or whatever. Now, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, does he have the same presence as Mel Gibson? No, no. He's an incredible actor, but um, he's got his mannerisms down. Yeah, there's something uh, I I don't think it's fair to him that I grew up watching Mel Gibson in The Road Warrior and I probably seen The Road Warrior. I'm going to just guesstimate at like 500 times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, I used to watch it every day on VHS that I'd recorded from HBO. I love the movie so much. And Mel Gibson was always Mad Max to me. So for Tom Hardy to try to fill his shoes in one movie, um, I mean, in the film, Max isn't, I mean, he's there. He's got that damn thing on his face for the first part of the movie. Yeah. I, I agree with Jason Swinchok that I would love to see the V interceptor in a whole survive a whole film. <laughs> and that's the thing about the Mad Max game that I love. The thing that I absolutely love about this game is that I get to be Max. I get to have the car and I get to drive around and scavenge for gas and shotgun shells and fight bad guys, kill them, get in insane car combat. And um, there's a huge open world map and I can just drop in at any time and do something, you know, like, yeah, uh, you can like, oh, today I'm going to take out a couple of convoys or tomorrow I'm going to do this. And you can literally just drop in, do a few missions, drop out, you know? Yeah. I, the other night. Uh, when I was taking a break, I decided to play it for a little while, and I was I was like messaging you while I was playing it because I was so excited that I was finally being able to play it, and I was just exploring. I, I probably shouldn't have been because my car isn't. I have only just got the nitrous, and uh, I think I got the sniper right. Yeah, I got the sniper rifle. Nice. And a, you know, a couple other little things. So I just started exploring, and I got into some pretty deep like complex areas where uh i shouldn't have been and it got killed really quickly but i came across my first convoy 
And I was like, damn, yes. So then I just started experimenting and I started harpooning the drivers out of the cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that was the most amazing thing ever. It's so I couldn't, satisfying. Yeah, I couldn't stop doing it. And then as I was on like somewhere I shouldn't have been, I came across the convoys with the cars that had the gears above them. Yeah. And I was like, what's this? So I wouldn't stop. Like I just I would take out the cars and keep going. And then I found that those ones with the gears above them are basically like loot chests. Yeah, they have extra scrap. Yeah, so I couldn't stop trying to find the convoys and taking them out. So that was it's it's a really addictive and fun and I can't wait to get into it more. Uh yeah. and I saved the dog and I I finally set up the the area that you know, as you're in that that holdout with that group, I yeah, uh, had enough scrap to do the first uh, scrap collection. Yeah, so I did that, and uh, uh, you know, I'm enjoying actually being able to improve the hideout. And I noticed that I was like, "Oh, what am I doing? I'm spending 500 scrap." And then I realized that once I did that, they start collecting scrap. Yes, that gets added into it. So yeah, I I I'm really enjoying it. I I can't wait to play it more. Uh, and the Taken King stuff. I told you the other day that I've started watching a yeah. bunch of the videos. Like, wow, this is kind of the the game that we were hoping we would get. I literally, you know, I've talked about Destiny before, where I was unhappy with the flawed nature of it. At first, you know, I was like uh, a an apo- destiny apologist. Like, I love this. I don't care what other people think. And then eventually I'm like, okay, I'm just doing the same shit over and over again. And I'm getting really tired of this. And then they did the uh, House of Wolves or whatever. And there would be like three story missions. And then you can do that in a day. And they're in the same area you've already been in. And then it's over. And I'm like, screw this. It was just making me so mad that there wasn't, it didn't feel like there was this overall storyline going on. Mm-hmm. It was just doing the same shit over and over again to get loot, you know? And it started to annoy the shit out of me. So I had, I've sworn off destiny, you know, like I, I can't play it anymore. I can't do this. And, you know, I, I had my character to a level 38 or something like that. And uh, then the Taken King has come out where they've revamped everything. Haven't they revamped the way guns work and the way you upgrade them and loot? and Yeah, it's, they've redone it from the ground up, apparently. Now they have all these new story missions. They've replaced Peter Dinklage with... Uh, Nolan uh, North. Nolan North and etc. And uh, I'm just like, stop, no! <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was, even the commercials look amazing. Like, I was just like, wow, that, that that's pretty badass. I like the new animations of powers you get and stuff. That looks badass. Like that bow, light bow, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, you know? Yeah. That looks badass. And I'm like, no, stay away. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I won't. I, I I'm. I'm gonna play and finish Mad Max first. I mean, I haven't yeah. even finished Sunset Overdrive, and that's months and months old by now. Mad Max. I've been trying to finish areas 
before I move keep the storyline going cuz stuff like you know Red Dead Redemption or even uh Grand Theft Auto if I finish the storyline I'm not going to finish the other stuff I lose interest but yeah. I love being Max so much I'm like okay I'm going to clear this area I've gotten two areas and two strongholds completed where there's zero threat that's how much I've done the whole bottom of the map is map is clean like I've finished wow. it and uh, later on, they open missions down back in those areas. So I go back and I'm like, oh, game, I see what you're doing. You're making me go back here. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, Destiny the Taken King. Here's, I told myself, the only way I'm going to play this again is when the Taken King, like, I see it like on IGN, they go, Taken King on sale for $15 or something, you know? Yeah, that's when I'll that's when I'll do it too. Yeah, I just because uh, it it will suck my life away. You know, I mm-hmm. got podcasts to edit. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max is taking a lot of that time, and but I've had fun doing it too. I I love it, and so you know what the coolest thing about the game is, and Stephen and I didn't even really talk about this was the Fury Mode, not Fury Road, Bill, but Fury Mode. Oh, I love Fury Mode. When it starts building up and you can hear it going, and you're just going, there's parts in later levels where I'm not kidding. It looks like 20 guys have surrounded you. And when your Fury Mode gets going, you're unstoppable. You're grabbing guys. You're snapping someone's neck. You're throwing a guy on the ground. You're driving a knife into his skull. You're taking another guy. You're doing a running kick jump and kicking them it's just like all of a sudden your adrenaline's pumping and you're like i am unstoppable and you're just, the the most cool thing to do in all that is to grab a guy and just shoot him point blank with a shotgun the animation i love that beautiful yeah i did that one time i was like how did i do that i need to do it again oh i don't have any shells it's yeah it's <laughs> beautiful man that yeah. that's literally i'm like the feral kid while playing it going ha you know, <laughs> as someone gets blown away or something, how cool is that kid thinking about the road where now whenever Max shoots somebody, he's like, ha, 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 ha. he's like super entertained by that, isn't he? Yeah, I, that's 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 questionable now, but I still love that kid. Yeah. You know, speaking of Mad Max and I don't want to diss other podcasts, Bill, I really don't. I think podcasting is fun for all. Everyone should do it. You know, it's fun to record you talking with friends. But there's this one podcast that I will not name because it's just not right. (laughs) I don't want to be a dick, but they did a Mad Max show where they covered the first three films all Mm -hmm. in one show. And it was like a group of four people, I think. And... Uh, automatically they offended me when they said, well, actually Fury Road was the first film I've ever seen in the Mad Max film. And I was like, what? And they started talking about the first Mad Max film. And one person said, well, I was like, I watched it like a year ago. I don't even remember. I was like, why are you on this show then? Yeah, why you are know? you talking about Mad Max when you have no basis in Mad Max? But some of the stuff was fun. Just hearing like them take it as at face value. Like what the hell was the deal with humongous and those weird pulsating things, you know, like <laughs> thought that for years, like what's the deal with that guy? Uh, but 
hearing them so absent of actual information just kind of made my skin crawl, you know? Oh, yeah. Where I was like, we have to do Mad Max movie minis. We must. Well, we've been planning it for years. Like, we wanted to do Road Warrior. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to do Road Warrior, but now I realize we need to do all of the films. And I honestly, I need to watch Fury Road multiple times. Yeah, same here. Uh, and I actually really want to watch Thunderdome again. And I haven't watched it on Blu-ray yet. You know, it came with that box set I got a while back, was it? Yeah, is that the one in the tin? Yeah, last year on my birthday or the year before? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was two years. I watched, um, you know, Road Warrior right away. And I was re- I realized, like, oh, shit, I got to watch the other two. Now, I do have Mad Max on DVD with the Australian dub. But I need to watch it again on Blu-ray. You need to get the is the uh, is the Australian dub on the one that comes in the tin, or do you have to get the one that Shout Factory released? Uh, I assume that it's the Australian dub, but I really don't know. Because I know I I have the one that Shout Factory did. Um, but did did you ever watch that documentary Rolls I told you about? Uh, no, I have not watched that yet. I need to. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely watch that before we do any kind of Mad Max. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So the the one with the the Shout Minute. Factory uh, contains both the original Australian English audio and the U.S. dubbed audio. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's it's got a lot of really cool. It's got a new interviews with uh, Mel Gibson, uh, audio commentaries. So yeah, that Shout Factory release is very cool, and it's it's I, it's pretty cheap. You know what I remember recording on VHS is when Thunderdome was coming out. I think MTV did a making of Mad Max special. Or it might have not have been MTV. This is just what I remember. It might have been ABC or something. But I remember watching this. And the it's narrated by Tina Turner. And at the end, they show kind of the kids singing a Mad Max song like on their Casio keyboard and there's George Miller and Mel Gibson. They're all kind of laughing. And I, I just remember watching that multiple times before Thunderdome came out. And then of course I I saw Thunderdome and I was like, what the hell? But, uh, I have, you know, we've talked about this before where I can make fun of Thunderdome, but also I have an affection for it. Absolutely. It's ridiculous, and it's it's questionable, but it's still wonderful. Right. And that's another thing. I don't think on that podcast, you know, they were talking about the weird stuff with the kids, but they never mentioned that it has two directors. Oh, yeah. Yelping Jesus! Him sad! <laughs> yeah, and I sometimes I forget that Mel, uh, or I mean Max, had a pet monkey in that movie for a part of the film. Oh, my God. And do you ever think about that one kid was kind of like an early war boy um, who's in the uh, with all the other kids. Remember, he's like died. His skin is very Oh, my God, you're right. And he's got the darkened eyes. He's kind of like an early version of a war boy. And he even has drawings on the wall like he's worshiping that chrome god or whatever. Wow, that's amazing. You know what? We, We definitely need to go back and revisit those. We'll have to do that for the Christmas donation pack. Oh, yeah. We, um, I just, you know, just talking Mad Max endlessly. <laughs> yeah. But it's an incredible series with such weird ideas in it, you know? 
It, yeah, it certainly is. And just incredible language and so quotable, all those films. Oh, that's cool, Ken. I saw he recently taught Road Warrior in class. Nice. I want to see you teaching Road Warrior. Please tell me more. Come on. Tell me more, mate. Looks like I got some myself some gasoline, eh? Hey, hey. I've seen that movie too many times, Bob. So, uh, yeah. Do we have anything else, Bill? Do you have any? Do we have any? Uh, do you want to do some Blu-rays or anything? Yeah, we might as well do some Blu-rays and then wrap it up. Okay, let's do that. Let me find the uh, DVD Blu-ray song. All right. With the TRS-80. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have Steven. Where's Steven? No, Spunky. That's my corn my dog. My corn dog. Poor baby, I hear her scratching at the door, and I won't. I need to. In. I need to show Natalie uh, the uh, Sasquatch. Funky, this is my corn dog. The Sasquatch. What was the Sasquatch dumpling gang? <laughs> the Sasquatch gang. <laughs> I like the Sasquatch dumpling gang better. All right, Bill, you ready? Let's, Let's do some DVDs. Let's do some DVDs, mortar forkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap that was the wrong thing but that's hilarious that that's no i love up. that it's perfect <laughs> and mulberry bill the mulberry historian 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 wow all right here we go bill let's do some dvds Let's do the DVDs, let's do the DVDs, let's do the DVDs, DVDs, DVDs. DVDs, HD Blu-ray, standard definition. DVDs. Oh hell yeah, the DVDs everybody. <laughs> I love it. I love how great she was. I forgot all about that. All right, Bill, before you say your first DVD, I got to let this GD damn dog in. All right, wait, All right. wait, wait, that's damn twice, technically. Well, hello there. Come on in. All right, damn dog. Welcome to the party, pal. Damn dog. Rack of fracking son of a... All right, Bill, what DVDs do we have this week? All right, DVDs for September 22nd, 2015, starting off with the Blu-ray release of Antitrust, because everyone loves that film. Oh, yeah, Antitrust. Love it. Great film. Rachel Rachel Lee Cook, Claire Filani. Uh, who else is in that? We used to joke oh, yeah. we wanted to do an Antitrust movie mini. No, we wanted to do an Antitrust commentary for some Yeah, we reason. did. We did. Ryan Felipe, man, he's the bomb in antitrust. He's the best, man. Tim Robbins, he's an evil Tim Robbins, jerk. He's, he's the best Bill Gates ever. Yeah, that's basically what it is. That's so funny. Uh, it, so that's on Blu-ray then, right? It's on Blu-ray now, yeah. They're upgrading. Oh, that's All right, next like we have movie. Arrow, the complete third season. Oh, wow. Awesome! Yeah. Come on, I love Arrow. Promise to take Mr. Diggle with you on your next rendezvous. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, good old Arrow. Uh, next we oh, have... Earlier. This isn't really what I had in mind. 
Aww. Don't you miss uh, that guy? I do, Justin Hartley. Justin Hartley. Dude, I, I know I've probably mentioned this before, but he is on uh, Soap Opera now. He's oh, like no on the shit? Young and the, he's on the Young and the Restless. Man, I almost feel like he uh, took a step down. That's too bad. I mean, I mean, he's pulling down a check, I guess. But, hey, Bill, just it, as to honor him, Justin Hartley, let's listen to this short clip of him as Green Arrow on Smallville. Okay. I thought I made myself clear. You were only to use violence if you were in danger. Yes, thank you very much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Best, uh, just such good delivery. <laughs> Thought I made myself clear. Uh, uh. That that wasn't his greatest moment on the show. No, he that was well. That was it. very early on. He ended up becoming the best part of the show. He, I think that was his first appearance on Smallville. But uh, yeah, he got better. He did get better. Uh, next blue Blu-ray release is Fatal Instinct. Do we remember this one? Wow, why does that sound familiar? It was the parody with uh, um, Sean Young. It was kind of the Basic Instinct ripoff, the spoof. Oh, uh, wasn't it? Isn't it god awful? Oh yeah, it's really awful. Directed by Carl Reiner. Oh uh, wow! Remember, everyone wanted to be the Naked Gun, but they're all unfunny and terrible. Yep. Yep. Do you remember the one that um, Emilio Estevez and uh, Samuel L. Jackson did, Loaded Weapon? Hell yeah, Loaded Weapon 1. Yep, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Yeah, remember Kathy Ireland was in that. Oh, that's right. I don't know why I just thought of this. This is so funny. And uh, I remember Vanessa had a boyfriend who's... That's that's the funny part. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's not the funny part. His pride and joy was that he had a signed Kathy Ireland photograph framed, and I remember it was on his computer desk. Wow. And I believe... Vanessa will have to tell me who it was. He had a signed... I'm going to say Sally Jesse Raphael picture, too. That's brilliant. I, yeah. If I was him, I would have a signed poster of Alien from L.A. <laughs> you know it! Uh, next we have The Flash, complete first season on Blu-ray. Hmm. So uh, now that's out there. So what and do you I'm, think? You going to pick that up? I'm, well, I don't know. I'm, I may, I, I, maybe even once it hits Netflix, I'll watch it. Yeah. Do, does anybody pick up seasons on Blu- Blu-ray anymore? Not or? anymore. No, I think the last show I actually bought on Blu-ray was uh, Breaking Bad. The only thing I thought was like, okay, I need to own this is Star Wars Rebels, maybe. Yeah, you know, I think I might have to do that. Just for all the But I'm going to wait stuff. for it to go on sale. Because it's such a fun show. Yeah. All right. uh, Next, we have Mannequin 2 on the move on Blu-ray. Nice. This was the one that that Andrew McCarthy didn't want to appear in. And I don't think, uh, no, Kim Cattrall wasn't in this one either. Yeah, it was like a whole new cast. Except for... um, uh, Hollywood. Uh, what's his uh, shit? What's his name? Ah, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on Hollywood's name. 
the guy from uh, Designing Women. Oh, oh, oh. Meshach Taylor. Meshach Taylor, yeah. We yeah, he was actually in this one. Uh, poor guy, he's no longer with us, is he? I know. How about that? That's that's heartbreaking. He I gets so many more roles to... I think. So many more mannequin movies to make. Yes. Uh, okay, next on Blu-ray, an actual good film, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, the Criterion Collection. Oh, yeah, that is a good film. I've only... Uh, you know, I saw it in the theater, and it's been on cable a few times, but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually rewatched it. But how shocking is the dog part in that? Very. And I got to hand it See, to Wes Anderson. He didn't lose me, but he almost did. He almost did. It was very close. You never do that to a dog. Nope. Just Not like a, the but he warrior. did it in a way that uh, it doesn't it doesn't affect you as much. Whenever you watch the road warrior and the dog part comes up, or you're like, oh shit. I have to I have to fast forward it. Can't do it. it sucks. All right, next on Blu-ray, we have Pitch Perfect 2. Oh, yeah, okay. And? Which I'll actually check out. I wasn't about to check it out in the theater, but now that it's uh, uh, hit Blu-ray, we'll check what, it out. What is that young actress who's in that? Oh, uh, uh, Anna Kendrick. No, no, no. She was in True Grit with uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, uh, Haley Stanfield? Yeah, so Haley Stanfield has that song. Have you heard that? No. You haven't heard that song? Uh, crap, what is it called? Haley Stan Steinfeld? Stein, Seinfeld? Oh, it's called Love Myself. And um, it plays all the time on Radio Disney. You know, oh. I'm in the car with Emma and uh, you know, her and her friend. I'm taking them to school and that song's playing. And I was kind of like, um... This song sounds like it's about something different. <laughs> yeah. Does not. Radio Disney realize this song is about masturbation? Because there's <laughs> no way this isn't about that. Can I just read you the lyrics? Yeah, please do. When I get chills at night, I feel it deep inside without you. Yeah. Know how to satisfy keeping that tempo right without you. Yeah. Picture, oh my god. <laughs> pictures in my mind on replay. I'm gonna touch the pain away. I know how to scream my own name. Scream my name. I love me. Gonna love myself. I don't need nobody else. And I was like listening to this on the radio, I was like, whoa, 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 time Dude. out. And Dude. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think the song is awesome, but I'm just saying it's on Radio Disney. <laughs> wow. But I was like, I had well, no idea. I guess Shebop is about the same thing, right? Uh, but Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not as tactful, though, you know. <laughs> uh, Zell, oh. don't crash the car. <laughs> don't crash. It's a very catchy song. It's a very, yeah. I, think I it's haven't heard that, it, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, I think it's funny that that's what it's about. But it's up there all, with uh, Divinals. All the best songs are about that, apparently. Yeah. Uh, next is, on Blu-ray, oh, we, we Cracked the, has an article, Bill, about uh -oh. the best masturbation songs. And I think number one was Pump It Up by Elvis Costello. And I was like, what? I don't oh, think he, that's what that's about. I never got that from that song, and I love that song. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. He doesn't say jack it up. He's like, no. whatever. It's pump it up. 
I I, yeah, I've always took that as like the music or the radio. Yeah, or... turn the radio up. Pump it up. Yeah, I don't get it. But anyway, yeah, the, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. It's oh. all right. The, we've got the 40th anniversary edition of the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Blu-ray. Oh. <laughs> I actually really do love this film. I, you know, it's one of those high school things that go into the midnight showing while I was going to the uh, performing arts high school uh, on Saturdays, going there to the midnight showing. And that's, I, I know this film by heart, all the music. I've seen it way too many times and i'm interested in knowing exactly what this uh, 40th anniversary edition includes yeah we talked about it before on this show i think a long time ago but steven uh took me him and his friend and some other guy they were like oh we got a virgin here and i was just like what oh, brother i i didn't get into it but Probably wasn't with the right people. Or yeah, exactly. It, I thought it was kind of obnoxious, all the people were. I wanted to smack them around. Oh, yeah. They, oh. I can totally get that. Okay, so that was Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Would you ever watch it now, just on Blu-ray? Isn't part of the fun being in the theater? Uh, you know what? I, I do love the music from it. So have you ever been, uh, I mean, do they still show it in theaters by the oh, way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, now even... it's, you know, it used to be just Rocky Horror Picture Show with the midnight showing. Now it's also the room, but yeah, they still do it. Wouldn't it be fun to take Natalie? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, she still's never seen the room too. So, and she loves Rocky Horror Picture dude, Show. Dude, so, I've yeah. still never seen the room. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. You got to watch the room, and then you have to listen or read the Disaster Artist, the book about uh, the guy that was in it uh, and was like the friend to Tommy Wiseau. It's just, it's hilarious. I saw that the uh, the Rift Tracks guys are going to do uh, Miami Connection next. Yes, I'm actually excited about that. Although I kind of despise Rift Tracks right now, I still love Miami Connection. Right. And you just you buys them because uh, they're just not as funny as they used to be. Yeah, it's just their their comedy is so pandering. Like it's not as sharp. It's much more cynical. It's a little too easy. Like the jokes they're making are too easy. Like yeah. whereas you actually had to. I'll, I'll like listen or watch a MST3K to this day. And as I get older and I become more familiar with certain things, they're still new because it's like, oh, wow, I would have never gotten that joke 10 years ago, but I get it now. Yeah. You know, whereas the yeah, jokes yeah. that they do on riff tracks are just so lame yeah, anymore. I think Joel said that it's not – it's just for whoever gets it. It's not for everybody. But yeah, and that's riff, what they're trying to do with riff tracks. Well, no, riff tracks is they want everyone to get it, but – Joel's that's original, what I mean. Yeah, Joel's original mission was it's for whoever does happen to get it. I'm not gonna, you know, make it accessible for everybody. It's gonna be my sense of humor. But yeah, you know, taking Emma to see Sharknado two or something, you can tell they're they're just trying to reach a mass audience. You know, that was honestly probably one of the most painful experiences. That I've- <laughs> Like, I was angry that I actually paid money to to see that in the theater with their... It was really... It wasn't a very good riff at all. The thing that I can't get over, and I've seen 
I'm gonna. I've seen quite a few of these now. Maybe six of them. They sweat so much. Oh my god! I know, right? <laughs> they are like wet by the time it's over. Their clothes are just soaked. They look it's miserable. Gross. Don't they yeah. look miserable? They do look miserable, and you can tell they are miserable. Why can't they make the place cold, cooler? I don't know. We don't actually need to see them that well. If they have these bright sun lamps on them or something, I don't know. But they got to come up with a better thing than that. Have yeah, like, they don't have to stand there in front of the screen. Take a hint from like what Cinematic Titanic did. Yeah, have so, like uh, those, you know, football fields. They have those chairs you sit in. That, like, yeah. Blow like cold air inside your suit or something. I don't know. Do anything. Yeah. All it I know just is looks I it looks very unpleasant. Yeah, and uh, the only funny, the, you know, I don't. It, I guess you could say it wasn't very memorable because I don't remember much except for the moment where Jared from Subway is on the subway and they're <laughs> like, uh, "No comment," and they don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was good because it was just like, "What do we say?" It's so uncomfortable. It was. It was even even in uh, even in one of my anatomy and physiology labs, we somebody was saying something about going down to the the subway to get a sandwich, and we were like, even that sounds inappropriate now. Just saying. You know that. what was funny is Heather and I had one of those weird kind of creepy moments. We're like, oh my god, and it was this. Um, we took Emma and her best friend out for dinner and they were talking about old cartoons they loved when they were kids, which, you know, that's one of the things you and I love to talk about. Yeah. But Emma was talking about, you know, backyard and, you know, Dora the Explorer and all that. And she was like, oh, I used to love that show. Little Bill. Remember that? Oh yeah. I love that show. And I looked at Heather and I was like, oh my God, Little Bill. <laughs> you realize little Bill was Bill Cosby's cartoon. Yeah, that's that he where created. he learned about uh, Rohypnol. <laughs> it was about like a young Bill, and I just looked at Heather. And was like, "Oh God, that show was so adorable. It's ruined forever." Ah, <laughs> uh, just sad, isn't it? It is so sad. It's a good thing the, Jared. The innocence a, is gone. Jared didn't have a kids' cartoon. That would have been disturbing. <laughs> So oh my god, effed that would have been awful. So effed up, man. Oh, and to end to end the Blu-rays, we might as well end it with this. It just came on my feed uh, tonight during a Q and A uh, with uh, John Landis. I don't know. He was okay. So, 25th annual Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando kicked off this evening with a bang. During the question and answer session, film director producer John Landis revealed to the audience. Some unexpected and major news regarding Star Wars, of all things. Uh, he dropped that Disney are finally going to re-release the theatrical cuts of the original Star Wars trilogy uh, and re-release them. Uh, it, I guess that's it. They're just going to re-release the theatrical cuts. I don't know how, if it's going to be on Blu-ray or what, but they're going, I, I guess George Lucas didn't destroy them all. Are you kidding me? Because this is like our dream. Like when they first bought uh, Star Wars, that's the first thing we speculated. Will this happen? Yep. yep. They're going to release A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi in their complete, unaltered, original form on Blu-ray. Wow. How would John Landis know this? This is what I want to know. Yeah, that's what I want to know, too. 
Apparently, George mentioned it when they last spoke. Somebody oh. put a yub nub on. Let the celebrations commence. That's what Empire Magazine uh, tweeted. Sweet. He, well, I hope it's real. Well, didn't we all know that George Lucas was a damn liar? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> he just didn't want to release them because he didn't think those were the best versions. He thought his new uh, janky CGI stuff was good. Because, damn it, Greedo shoots first in his mind. Well, you know, it's it's funny that for so long we've had to go out of our way to actually see the unaltered versions, like the Harmy despecialized editions. Yeah. And stuff like and now it'll it'll be nice to finally have that. You know, honestly, I really want to watch the original trilogy before Awakens comes out, and I'm bummed out that the only version I have available to me on in HD is the new versions. Yeah. And I true. don't want to hear Darth Vader saying, no. Yeah, neither do I. I don't. And I don't want the Stormtroopers to sound like Jango Fett. Nope. I don't want to. <laughs> don't want I'm, it. I'm sorry. I may be a dick, but I it's don't want that. It's made of no. I want the original crate Dragon sound Obi-Wan makes that. Not that boop sound. Why did they change that sound? It was totally awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Do you remember that? I do remember that. It was brilliant. It was frightening. I've just got to find this. Obi-Wan crate dragon call. Okay, I, of course it's on YouTube. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, here's the theatrical version, Bill. Okay, here's the Blu-ray version, Bill. This is such horse shit. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> what? No! I don't want that! That truly is one of the most awful things I've ever heard. Oh my god. What the shit was that? How was that a good idea? Why would anyone hear that sound and then go, no, we need to change that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. But it zero I, sense. We've always, we, we, for a long time, we haven't gotten it. So I'm not bringing up anything new. But, Bill, thank you so much for doing the show with me tonight. It's been fantastic to catch thank up you. with you. Yeah, it was wonderful. It's been long overdue. And also, I forgot, I wanted to recommend the film on Netflix I just watched called In Your Eyes. Did you watch yes, that? Yes, the yet? Joss Whedon written film. I have it in my queue. Yeah, I just, I was on uh, Flipbook, and you know, I followed different things on there, and it said, films you must watch on Netflix now, and that was one of them, and I was like, wow, that sounds a lot like Sense8. I'm going to watch it, and I just sat and watched it, and I loved it. I kind of fell in love with it and the characters. Awesome. Now, everybody, if you would like to send us a voicemail, send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1206-309-4729. Also, check out nimpodcast.blogspot.com and you can find a link to all of our shows. Click on the one called Show Archive and you can start with episode one because that's right, people. It's September 
2015. We've been doing this show since September 2005. Wow. Okay? That's how long that, it's been, Bill. That's awesome. That's how long it's been, Bill, is what I meant to say. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. So Sorry, also, for some reason, I just all of a sudden thought of the theme to Star Trek uh, Enterprise. Oh, my God. That was so bad. Why did yeah. they do that? I don't know. Whenever I see commercials with uh, um, Scott, Scott Blackula. Blackula. Uh, on the NCIS New Orleans or whatever. My dad loves the NCIS shows, and he says that show is unwatchable. I'm just, like, happy for him that he's probably making good bank, but, man, what? come on, Scott. I'm just I'm just mad that he married my 80s crush. I know. 80s, 90s crush. He's married to Chelsea Field, right? Yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yes. How about her outfit in... Masters of the Universe. I forgot Masters she was. I forgot she was in that till I watched that video. Yep. <laughs> but yep. she was fantastic in like uh, the Last Boy Scout. Um, Harley Davidson in the Marlboro Man. <laughs> yes, but there was another film with her. Uh, what is it? It's some. Uh, I'm gonna have to look on IMDb that she's fantastic in. Well, she was on the TV show Nightingales where she played a nurse. She was pretty fantastic in that. Yeah. But, um, let's see. Harley Davis, Last Boy Scout. Okay, I already said that. What was she in, Bill? What was she in that I'm thinking of? I just know there was a movie she did with Scott Bakula that she was she was naked in. Oh, wow. I, I can't believe she was in a movie called Death Spa. What an awesome name. Well, uh, somehow I can believe that. Oh, my God. I just thought of it. Dust Devil. Because I was talking about that recently because they're oh, talking about that documentary right. with Richard Stanley. She is in Dust Devil, and she looks great in that. The movie yeah, she is, looks amazing. The movie is batshit insane. But, uh, yeah, she's fantastic. I don't know. Is she working now anymore? Uh, she's got to be. The last thing she was in was in 2011, Memphis Beat. So, oh, that uh, sounds am- oh yeah, I remember that show. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Bill, I would like to thank all of our patrons, starting with Jason Swinchuk and Xavier, our two newest patrons. Thank you guys so much for uh, being patrons of the show. Adam Howard, Jennifer Morris, Darren Finland, Paul Ty, Tom Aresto, Steve Steinbach, Brian. Rick Lidster, we miss you, Rick. Sean Uyoka, Hodor, John Waltz, Jason Pash, Ken Proventure, Kelly Murray. How cool is it that Ken was teaching the Road Warrior? Uh, of all the things to teach, I think that's the best. Jenny, Bill Lochner, yep. Sruly Meyer, Adam Sexton, Carl, Slade Bailey, Brandon, Nathena Lewis. Kelly, B. Sly, Ross Pony, Mike Metcalf, Jean-Francois, <laughs> Mark Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Steve Wiley, Swiley. You know, if I saw Mark every day of my life, I would literally say that to him every time I saw him. 
Oh, guaranteed. Mr. Anderson. I'm waiting for someone with that name to come into my life just so I can do that every time. <laughs> and also, thank you, Terry Farthing. Thank you guys so much for being patrons of the show. I love it. And I hope Appreciate to bring it. more stuff to you. Now, we I did release that special patron-only episode of talking nothing but the Nad Max video game. I know that if you have no interest in that game, it's unlistenable. But still, there will still be more that will keep coming, okay? So, uh, just hang tight. <laughs> That's awesome. But, Bill, thank you so much. It's been a great show. I've had yes. a lot of fun. It's Me gonna too. It's going to be awesome. All right, man. So uh, until next time, guys. Yep. All right, guys. Bill, see you next time. Bye. Later. Casting. <laughs> <laughs>